This episode of The Full Nerd is sponsored by TeamViewer, the maker of easy, fast, and secure remote access software. Since 2005, TeamViewer has helped IT professionals and IT-designated family members like Gordon and I uh, troubleshoot hardware and software-related issues on everything from Windows, macOS, iOS, to any Android device. Head over to TeamViewer.com to get started with your remote access and management solution. In this episode of The Full Nerd... Is it finally Windows 11 and Zoidberg's time? And will ARM actually work on desktops? Welcome to episode 228 of The Full Nerd. I'm your host, Gordon Bong, with special guest Mark Hawkman. Hi, everyone. And Adam Patrick Murray controlling the vertical and horizontal. We're here, you know, uh, the, the Apple event is, is wrapping up, I think, on, on the other side, but we're here to talk about more interesting stuff, uh, not not iPhones and Apple watches and whatnot. Right, Gordon? That's we're, right. we're not going to talk about that. I don't, I, you know, I'm, you know, it's typically phone stuff. I don't really worry about it too much, although my my daughter's interested in one, so I like, I'm, I am interested to see if there's going to be a price increase, so that would be the sucky part. Like, uh, you waited for the new one to pay extra money for it would, would kind of suck, so. Whoops. Well, and and you're interested in going iPhone, right? You know, you, you should get one. You should try. I am honestly, legitimately, for the first time ever, really like solidly want to move to iPhone for the Android because of the Android Auto experience. You know, I've had some pretty bad experience with my Pixel phone, and now I'm having with Android Auto. And I really do believe you should take any brand that you have problems with and kick them to the curb. Unfortunately, with the phone world, that means actually now I'm running Samsung. I've been pretty happy with the Samsung, but Android Auto so bad that like it's like it's just it's it's really a, a truly atrocious um, <laughs> car operating system to make people use in the real world. <laughs> I would think like you know maybe it's actually time to switch. So and now I think that's what people should do is you should never be so loyal to any brand that you're captive like you're. Like there's walls around you holding yeah, you in. It's right. really nice, but there's walls around you holding you in. You should always be ready to, I don't know, take a spoon, carve out a little hole in the in right. the heater vent and crawl out <laughs> of that closed ecosystem if you're so locked into it. Uh, we got Mike Butler in the chat. Uh, says uh, Android audio Android Auto is a nightmare. It's one of my biggest complaints as well. So you're you're not alone, Gordon. You should both head head over to iPhone Land. I, try it out. I know, and I think that the thing about Honestly, Google is one of those things where it's very much, it always feels like sort of like a scientist that's like wandering around like with the lab coat and the hairs. Like they're like, hey, this is not working. Like what? Oh, yeah. And like, and then Google will usually get it right eventually. But I sometimes you, it feels like you got to get everybody to get their attention to fix things. And right now it's just, it's just absolutely horrible. So, well, so. If, if there ends up being an Apple car, that's going to force Apple to sort of get that entire unified experience right. And I think that's going to be a holistic advantage that it's going to take Google a long time to overcome if and when an Apple car happens, because my, Apple just does understand that experience better than anyone. Well, they did. And, you know, this for in the automotive press, there has been buzz that Apple has, is going to manufacturers and they're saying, look, we want full control of the car UI. Like every yeah. dashboard. So like right now, Android uh, Auto and CarPlay are limited to your your center screen. Mm-hmm. They're basically saying we want everything. And the car makers are like, hell no. Like, And honestly, if I were a car maker, would I let Apple wedge themselves so far into my car that I can't get rid of them? 
because now, I mean, you know, they're, they like money. They're probably going to end yeah, up charging so extra money. And then like, hey, we'll take over the UI for your car because you're just yeah. too dumb to do it. And frankly, a lot of them are too dumb to do it. Yeah, but it's all about at the same time, it's about control because you let somebody in there to do all that work. And, you know, the the checks never stop flowing out to that company. So That's I would right. think that'd be exactly. bad advice. Yeah. I, and I can never, honestly, I can never see Apple doing a car because it'd be... I think it'd be insane to for Apple to even do the, the the rumored Apple car. I think it's most likely in UI because all you're asking for is nothing but headaches and not enough money in return. Yeah, <laughs> well, and you know, really, I mean, if you could get Volvo and GM and Ford and Toyota and everybody just cut you millions and millions and tens of millions of dollars a month, yeah, what sure. the hell you want to make your own stupid car for and then deal with like people complaining about? <laughs> it falling apart yeah. because you know it's yep. just, I mean, and then if uh if you you know if there's a problem they just say you're driving it wrong right you know yeah no i mean <laughs> i mean how i don't know how we're already sort of seeing that i i don't want to offend the te- i you know me i i there i have no problems offending people like tesla people like the crazy stuff they say is like that's just crazy like this is like this like wheel is falling off and like oh no 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 don't blame tesla it's because i i did this wrong like really come on it's just like there's they're clearly documented you know, mistakes and everybody makes lemons. It's just a matter of how many lemons you make. But right. then you get that whole fanboy thing with Tesla's where like, you're just like, oh, go, go. they lose their mind over it. It's like, come on, it's just a product. <laughs> well, uh, also too, if an Apple phone crashes, then nobody really cares. If an Apple car crashes, then it's news. So that's bad. Yeah. So Probably. that could be really, really bad. You know, like for the brand, it doesn't, it just, I don't, I don't buy any of those, but you know, honestly, I never thought, We'll talk about this later. I never thought they'd do ARM really either. So that's that's a, that's a good. There you go. Uh, right. Well, uh, real quick, we got we got two super chats. Uh, one from friend of the show, VC Jester, five dollars. Thank you so much. Said uh, Android Auto works fine on my big four door non coupe pickup truck. So uh, and then uh, John Doe KCK gave us two dollars super chat. Thank you so much. Said Gordon needs to buy a new coupe and not blame the phone for uh, yeah, yeah for operating <laughs> system problems. Sure. I I still don't actually understand how. Android Auto and, and CarPlay work because I, the way I understand it, they're basically just scraping the phone. Like there's nothing actually running. Like there's no actually applications running on the car. It's all running on the phone and basically being mirrored out. It's almost like a monitor experience. It feels like. Mm. But what I can't figure out is why some of them are so bad. So, uh, well, because I don't follow it. So, can can you figure out why people uh, might be switching to Windows 11 this fall? I don't know. That's a great question for Mark. Do you well, think let's figure we're going to put Mark on the hot box seat? I think somebody owns that one already. Well, hot box <laughs> is a different hot, thing. Hot or whatever. Yeah, that's <laughs> Is it Windows 11 time, Mark? You've actually, let's, let's be on the record now. Mark sure. has been on the record saying there's no reason to switch to Windows 11. He's not a right. hater of it, but he just feels right. like if you're on Windows 10, Windows 10 is so good. Am I correctly stating that? No, I think that's still true. I mean, the, the pace have changed within Windows 11. I, I've become accustomed to Windows 11, but I wouldn't necessarily recommend it over Windows 10 just because, again, yeah, Windows 10 is a solid established operating system with a number of features on it. And Windows 11 doesn't quite offer in, uh, a lot uh in the terms of enticing people to move over and we're heading into uh the next feature update of windows 11 called windows 11 22h2 uh there have been reports from uh places like windows central that say that uh windows 11 22h2 will drop on september 20th which i think is a pretty good guess um and you know i we've actually 
well, along with you know other publications have put out a review of Windows 11 22H2, as you probably are aware, uh, Windows 11 is, is is tested in three different channels. There's the dev channel, the beta channel, and the uh, which is more significant than it has been in the past. And we'll talk about that in a little bit. And the release preview channel and the release, release preview is essentially the uh, code that's going to be dropped uh, with some last minute tweaks. Uh, so you can essentially test it and try it out right now if you would like. Um, and that's what, we've, that's what I had done uh, for most of August, and we've published our review of it. Now, it's interesting, to, it's interesting in that this is really the sort of the first time that not only is the release preview a little bit different than what's going to be released in the general release, but it's interesting because I've compared my review to some of the other publications and I honestly had a little bit different experiences. Um, and I'll show like, I'll just sort of lead off with one of them. So windows 11, 22 H2 sort of is supposed to restore a feature that's been in windows 10 and that's drag and drop on the taskbar. So if you drag a, a JPEG file onto the taskbar where you have uh, paint, for example, it should launch paint or uh, ditto for the photos app or something of that sort. You know, it's funny, and and I've seen like other reviews saying, hey, yes, it works. And I tried a number of different files and, and, and apps, and for whatever reason, I think I was up to date on everything, I couldn't get that particular feature to work. So hmm. <laughs> it's interesting that we are seeing a little bit of, of differentiating, uh, differentiating between uh, the different publications sort of testing this. And I think that eventually everything will sort of reconcile and that will actually be part of it. But for right now, I just didn't see that. Um, but in terms of what it offers, it's not the sort of ambitious release we saw in the early days of Windows 10, where they had these, you know, sort of grandiose names like Creators Edition attached to them. These are just, this is just Windows 20, Windows 11 22 H2. And they're actually, the, I think the most interesting features, the ones you honestly probably won't use, they're actually geared at accessibility um but they're interesting um and i'll just sort of walk through sort of the highlights of them we do have a published review on pc world's site you can go ahead and read it uh i will say that um uh i was asked by brad not to go into as much depth as we have in the past just because it wasn't that much of a significant review so uh there are a couple of details uh gestures for example that i didn't really go into but again sort of the highlights of it um the highlights really start out with uh, <laughs> and they're not really highlights, I guess. But, <laughs> it doesn't sound uh, like much highlights to me. That's like, but like you know, light, we have we have we're going back to darkness. we have start menu. I mean, the, like we, you'll what you'll see in the beginning is you see like start menu folders, and then you know Windows ten. You know, I really like the way that Windows ten allows you to create a folder and resize it and to sort of uh, kind of increase and prioritize icons where you want and yeah and windows 11 allows you to do that but it just kind of you can just drag and drop apps on top of each other to create folders and they're the icons are really small and, and to be fair they're like that in windows 10 as well and you know we've always complained about things like the taskbar and the start menu and they're kind of starting to address these things but you kind of would hope for more uh at this point do you and think not there i mean because the thing is I don't understand why, like this. I mean, the weird, I the showcase feature of Windows has always been the start menu, unfortunately. Right. Mm -hmm. And I know you know Microsoft has tried to shake that off for a long, long time. Right. And I, you know, it's it's a question of do you like 
sort of a more productivity oriented environment, which is definitely what Windows 11 is? Or do you like a little bit more fun and engaging and flexible environment? And that's what Windows 10 is. Um, and I think that most people, and I, you know, this is not the case for everyone. I think most people kind of are, would like Windows 10. I mean, I'm getting used to the sort of the Chromebooky like, you know, Windows 11 interface a little bit more, but I still don't know if it's as, as, as attractive and as, as human to a sort of a general purpose audience as it has been. Um, you know, one of the things that Windows 11 22H2 adds is this, this sort of the spotlight feature where you can now, uh, and this has been there in part and parcel for a long time, but you can now basically change your Windows background every day with these, you know, these really lovely nature shots that Microsoft has. They, I don't know, they have, you know, every since we go back to the, the Windows XP days, which was definitely, you know, just a field in a, you know, Sonoma uh, hillside. Um, you know, they've had this sort of curated photography and it's, it's, it's beautiful. I'm a huge fan of nature photography and I really like the spotlight feature and that, but that sort of, again, sort of starts reconciling windows 11 sort of, you know, very business oriented interface back towards more of the, 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 the funner, you know, uh, more interesting human, you know, interface of windows 10, where you can get these, these spotlight features there. Um, so you know, there's a big theme, I think, sort of in these Windows 11 updates. And this is sort of like reconciliation, I guess, for lack of a better word, trying to trying to come back to what made Windows 10 great. And it's very slow and steady, but it's emphasis on slow right now. I don't I don't you know, because the thing is, I, I would say as far as a new Windows operating system, it doesn't seem like I mean, I it's clear that nobody's embraced it. Um, especially in the gaming community, mm -hmm. I'm just looking at a steam survey and it's, I mean, it's good. Cause actually they had a, uh, looking at a steam survey, August, 2022, uh, windows 11, 64 bit is 23.8%, 2. mm -hmm. 2.6, 2.7% uh, increase, yeah. but windows 10 is, is 69% of the, the market share for, uh, well, basically for windows. Uh, and there's even like. I mean, there's still Windows 7 and Windows 8 users, but they're fairly insignificant now. But mm -hmm. the fact that we are so far into Windows 11 launch and they've basically only cracked, they haven't even cracked 25% really. Yeah. To me, that kind of says it's really just not going over well. Because I remember early surveys pre-Steam, uh, there were some numbers from like 3D Mark used to track what operating system they did. And back when... Mm -hmm. Gosh, it might have been Windows 7 came out. Like the adoption rate for Windows 7 was insane off the roof. Of course, that was coming off Vista, I guess. So maybe that's right. why. But yeah, it just feels like Windows 11 has just got this like stink of failure on it. And I'm, I'm not sure if it's. I don't know if it's that good for that far. I mean, it's not a bad operating system at all. It's just that Windows 10 is so good in comparison. Um, yeah, you know, no, and I, you're right. You're, you're right. Because if people get really like they want to call it terrible poo or whatever, but it's not an. I mean, let's be honest, it's the same operating system. I mean, yeah. They are essentially, I mean, if like for components, probably 80% the same, more than mm -hmm. that probably, right? They should. So I don't, I mean, people get really freaked out. It's just, it's just really changing of the UI that seems to, to freak people out. And I'm not sure what, what the end game is here because why well, are you messing with the UI so much? Like the whole, like for me, the thing that will, 
I don't run Windows 11 in any of my actual use daily drivers because I don't want to. Like right. the right mouse click thing, just it just it's insane. Like I mean, the right <laughs> yeah. mouse click and then like click some more. Like sure. yeah. what part of like I know that, but there's got to be a reason for that because they're like, look, we let people just keep jamming crap into the right, you know, the context, and then you get this like like fifty things, and then it's probably maybe a secure. I don't know, but it's just like to me, it's crazy though. You should be able to elevate some things you want to be immediately available. Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting because UI is sort of part uh, of what my favorite feature of 22H2 is. And that's just really a, a reworking of, of, of Snap. Um, you know, we have what's called a Snap bar now where you previously, if you sort of maximized a window, uh, if you hovered your, I should say, if you hovered your cursor over that maximized window button, you get sort of these these snap view options where you can divide your screen into third and so forth. And now if you, it's kind of just a revamp of that. I mean, instead of maximizing your window, you can take a window. You don't have to actually, you know, look for this little target. You just grab a window, slide it to the top of the screen, and you get these snap options again. And I really am in favor of what they've done uh, with Snap, both in Windows 10 and in, you know, in Windows 11, where we have these these various options that are sort of mimic uh, the power toys. Um, and so I, I think that that is honestly one of the things that people are going to use and take advantage of the most, uh, just because it's such a common uh, thing for people to do to go ahead and organize their screen how they want. I mean, we've seen this in various contexts with virtual desktops. I mean, it's essentially, it's honestly the same thing. I mean, in a way, I mean, you just slide your desktop out of the way and you can still do that. But most people, I don't think it took it took to that sort of uh, interface where they just want to go ahead and say, all right, I want my email and one little screen and maybe a chat app or like Teams or Slack or something of that sort. I mean, I ha- that's the way I organize my screen and I do it very quickly. And the fact that now it um, holds these uh, uh, positioning when you sort of detach your laptop is just, you know, it's been, I don't want to say a game changer because it's just part and parcel of my life now. It's just what I do. Uh, and I, I didn't like it. I mean, I think it's great. Um, and those, you know, really, um, I got to say that, uh, you know, that's kind of the main stuff that most people are going to interact with. Uh, there's two hidden sort of not really hidden features because they haven't really designed the hit hide them but there's two other things that i think are are kind of cool um you know live captions is something that basically takes um you know we see this all the time with even the youtube stream for example you can turn on captions and it'll algorithmically generate captions but now you can do this with like say you've got a wedding video on your your pc that you've saved or your this is your first uh your kid is um Oh, I don't know. Um, at a school play when he was five years old, and this is you know a decade ago or something of that sort. You can now uh, allow Windows even offline to generate captions for you know perhaps a family member who has difficulty uh, understanding or maybe doesn't quite speak the language that well or something of that sort. This is kind of something that's been designed for people who have you know disabilities, but I think it's kind of a neat way of doing it. And Microsoft's been really kind of like okay, we're putting translation in Teams, we're putting transcription in various things. And this is just kind of the natural evolution of that. But, it, you know, it's still useful. And I think it's kind of a, a neat little feature that most people won't necessarily see or try out. But I think it's there and it should be used if you do it. And it's all on client? It's not like you have to upload your video to cloud? And uh, yeah, it's all on the client, too. You don't actually have to be connected to actually have it work. So you have to download a little bit of a speech model, but, you know, it's not okay. that another big deal. And for people who don't, Client means on your desktop or laptop. Right. Yes. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, we, we do the business speak thing. It's, it's uh, 
it's rough sometimes. Yeah. I mean, the only other thing that I like, and so, and this, the, the only other thing that I thought was deficient and I did play with it in a release preview mode. So I'm going to go back and play with it a little bit more is that there is something similar called voice access, which is essentially me or you not touching your PC, but saying, Hey, uh, PC open outlook and it opens outlook or Hey, click next or something of that sort. Uh, it's, Again, designed for people who kind of, you know, have issues interacting with a PC. But, you know, I suppose if you want to just go ahead and sit back and, you know, have your tablet on your, you know, on your PC on your chest while you're watching a movie and, and interact with it from a voice standpoint because you're actually too lazy to touch it. You know, supposedly it should work. My problem was it didn't work. Uh, <laughs> it doesn't actually it, it actually navigates to where it should work, but it didn't actually click through. So, I mean, you know, I. We're gonna have to see, you know. But I can up. see that I could see the value. I know people think like, well, I would never use that, but there's just times, <clears throat> and there I, you know, because mouse keyboard or right. trackpad works. On, you're gonna that's gonna be ninety five percent of what you use. Mm-hmm. But to be able to go to your computer, like, and again, like, like for touchscreen, I know that's there's it. people that just simply do not believe it. If you've ever used touchscreen on a laptop, it's just nice to have. You just like, you got this big old button. You don't want to like, it's just so much easier to grab the screen, use the touchscreen or hit the button. I could see times like where you're just like, your hands are just full and you say, Hey, you know, do this, you know, and yeah. that could, that could be useful. I mean, I rarely use a touch screen, um, but I will say that every time I like, for example, I have to test Thunderbolt docs and every time I test a Thunderbolt talk, usually what happens is this, this the, the system doesn't quite understand where the, the display should be. I have to move everything around to where I want. And the thing is, is that chasing that cursor around your screen, right. uh-uh, forget it. But if I can just touch the screen in front of me. That's the case I use every single time. And I don't use the touchscreen elsewhere. Yeah. And so you're, you may find a case where you're going to use voice as opposed you, to. You don't even scroll once in a while. Because what I, what I find is it's it's a very, it's you very use it very rarely. But when you do, it's really convenient just to yeah. to do touch. And why not just have that, you know, baked into the your, mm-hmm. your system? So like voice could be useful the way we're so used to talking to our phones and our you know, our, our buy stuff from stores stuff. I mean, honestly, when I had an Xbox One. Yes, the 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 older uh, Xbox. It, it was always fun when you had Connect to just be like, "Hey, Xbox on." Yeah, like I use that all the time. I yeah. I know it's it, it's one stupid little thing, but it, it yeah, I did it all. Yeah, the time. and it's nice, right? There's actually <laughs> to me like I can see. So some of the the newer laptops have this ability to sense when you're in front of the lap when you step near it, <clears throat> and they'll basically wake up and then it'll log in. You know, using face biometrics. If you could basically, if you don't have that and you just say on your desktop, say, hey, you know, uh, wake up. Hey, turn on computer. I'm here. And then it turns on the computer and it does the rest. So I, you know, it's just a convenience factor that I, I know a lot of people don't think like, oh, you're just being lazy, but it's kind of nice sometimes. Like I, I like turn on Xbox. That's pretty handy. Yeah, Adam got it right. It's that one stupid thing. You know, it's it's just that one time where you're just going to like, hey, this works for me. And then it's just part of your workflow, you know? Yeah. It's- and for touchscreen for me, that is just browsing. Like if, if I, you know, so, okay, you know, PCworld.com, whatever, and then just instinctively go up on my laptop and, and do this. And I, I definitely, if I get a laptop that doesn't have touchscreen in it, I'll go to do it. And be like, ah, yeah, no, it really <laughs> is disappointing not to have touch on a laptop because yeah. it's just like, it's it's instinctive. It's like, would you want a BlackBerry with a keyboard, or do you want your phone with a touch touchscreen? I, right. it, I don't understand the argument against it, but 
Now let's talk a little bit about, I mean, so that's sort of the, 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 the sort of the main features of Windows 11 22 H2. Um, you know, you're, you're seeing a couple of new apps, which we've talked about, or I've sort of written about before, which is Clubchamp, which I think is a great, lovely video editor, even though it's it's web-based and that has some issues. And then there's sort of family safety, which is a tweak of what they have already. But the interesting thing is, is that, like, for example, with Clipchamp, it's now essentially kind of part, it's been sort of pushed to, to PCs where it kind of sometimes should sort of appear on your your your, your apps and so forth. Are what you, is Clipchamp? I have Clipchamp, a lot of people don't know what that is. All right. With Clipchamp. Clipchamp is a fantastic free video editor, uh, which is within it's a an app they actually bought rather than actually uh, develop themselves. And you can download it from the store and eventually sort of kind of it's going to be pushed as part of the standard uh, component of Windows apps. So you have like mail and calendar, for example, and Clipchamp is going to appear on your PC if it hasn't already. And it is I mean, I, I love it. I mean, it's, I think it's great. Um, it has it's super it, has, it sort of will replace the Windows um a video editor, which is already on the PC, because video editor is just very, very basic. Right. Clipchamp is rich. Uh, it has stock, uh, stock music, stock video. You can do it for everything to make like graduation videos. I mean, I have never used Clipchamp, and I could teach it. In my I taught it myself in like you know an afternoon or something of that sort. Uh, it's super intuitive, super easy to use. Um, the only thing I didn't like about it, the fact that it was an online, essentially web app, it doesn't work offline. So you have to be connected. Uh, it's not intrinsically easy to, um, to, you know, to, to move between PCs. It wants you to store stuff in the cloud. And if you do stuff, stuff in the cloud, then you have to pay a little bit for it. Otherwise it's all free. Um, what I would say, sorry, what's, why do you have to be logged in for it? Is it, is it, it's a web app. It's a web app. So and you have to upload your videos for the editing? Or? No, you don't. Uh, so what you do is you you have your video on your, you can download your PC, your download video um, either from like, uh, you can do it from your phone. There's a little, uh, you know, a little uh, glyph that you can use. You can download it from OneDrive. You can download it from Google. Uh, it's really pretty efficient as far as that's concerned. But you have to store everything on your PC once you've edited it or else if you want to have it in the cloud, that's a uh, feature that you'll have to, to pay a little bit for. Um, mm. Ditto for using sort of some of the stock uh, music, for example, which I think music is really, uh, you know, you, we watch Adam adds music to uh, some of the videos that we post on, uh, on on YouTube all the time. You know, just that little background music kind of adds a little bit of emotion, a little bit of, you know, verve to it all. Uh, and this is allowed, and this, and, and if you do use that uh, and you don't want to pay, uh, you put a uh, it ends up with a watermark on your on your on your video, which is you know yeah. some like that, some like some don't. Um, but uh, I just you know I just think it's a an actual it's one of the true you know solid great apps that Microsoft has made with some caveats. But but the, um, but the processing <laughs> is on on your your desktop. Right? Process is all on your all on your laptop, so it takes advantage of your GPU and your CPU. So better GPU, better processing. I'm I'm just surprised that it isn't just a standalone application that you download. I am too. I don't. Yeah, I, am I too. mean, I guess it's probably because they purchased it and it was wasn't designed that way. But yeah, it feels. No, I agree with you. Well, I guess that's a weird thing. Is I, I don't know where Microsoft is going with Windows. Sometimes, like like if they make a bank off of it, but 
they don't make as much as all the other toys in the kingdom. So mm-hmm. it makes you makes me wonder, like, how committed to it are they long term? So well, it's crazy. I mean, but but I do think I mean, this could be a trial thing, right? Like, uh, imagine if you came uh, logged in with Windows and you had a free video editor, you had a free photo editor, you know, the, with with deeper tools and sure, not as deep as other stuff you, you could get. But at right. least like, oh, hey, you know what? Instead of, you know, going out and getting some other free app. Oh, you've got one built in. I mean, it's it's what what is on the iPhone, right? I mean, you yeah, can right. edit photos on there. You know, you can make videos on there pretty easy. And, and they, they champion that. I can see Microsoft wanting to do that, wanting to have, you know, a suite of things that people can use quickly. Yeah, but I, that's the other thing, too, is like, it feels like if they, and they're always in a tough place because Microsoft really could or should, if you ask me, have just bought all this amazing applications and tool sets and basically thrown them into the operating system. So you can do, you know, like really basic, not even beyond basic, but you can do sort of like what most people need. Like ClipCamp is for normal people. Somebody mentioned um, mm-hmm. Re- DaVinci Resolve. I'm sorry, yeah, average Resolve. person's yeah. not going to deal with Resolve. You're going to, that's just not for a normal person cutting a, a graduation video. That's just the wrong tool, it feels like to me. Yeah, but their free version, actually, my, my honestly, my son, who's like, hey, you know, uh, how does it compare against Resolve? I'm like, well, we're going to have to sit down and do some comparisons. It's going to be a butt whipping, is my, my guess is Resolve. Probably. Well, because it's not, it's a different tool set for. It is, but the interface know. looks similar, I guess you'd say. Yeah, but I imagine ClipCamp is made for people who don't do video ever or exactly yeah it is it's it's more like iMovie yeah Yeah, it's more like iMovie whereas Resolve is essentially a professional tool at this point or it has been so I don't I don't I don't get the comparisons there but yeah well you have to understand what Microsoft's you know sort of to use the French, the raison d'etre is I mean you know Microsoft's all about subscriptions so you know I got it what does that mean exactly what's that raison d'etre reason for being oh okay got it (laughs) That's your college branch. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, but I mean, you really, I mean, it's all about, right. So, so, so Microsoft loves subscriptions and that's what ClipChamp is, right? So, so it's a front door to a great app, but if you want the really cool premium features, then you go ahead and pay for it. So it's just like Game Pass. It's just like Office. It's just like everything else, you know, and that's just, uh, you know, that's just what it is. Uh, they just want you to think of it as, hey, we need another, you know, 10 bucks a, m- a month from you or whatever it might be. So. Isn't that, but I just like, that's the thing that just scares the hell out of me because I mean, I understand subscriptions, subscriptions aren't bad. And honestly, like Adobe is, is worth it for the amount of tools and power you're getting for the Adobe thing. And we're just in this world where you have to sort of, oh, you're going to be paying a monthly subscription price for everything. But it just, it just, it's that last bit. Like if you're pushing that hard in the OS, it just feels like. I don't See, know. I am so I am so cheap that I'll do everything not to to pay for Adobe. I mean, that's why I kind of like these these alternative options because I mean that's why I was so ticked off when Microsoft got rid of like uh, uh, the speckle or dust removal in, in photos within Windows because you know that was like one of the top things that I use. I mean, I take a picture of a laptop or a right. dock or something, but right. there's always you know you don't see it, and then all of a sudden the photo is like, oh crap, there's there's dust all over this thing, and so then people start complaining and it looks unprofessional and so forth. So I like to get rid of it all, but 
you know, now I have to go out and search out a tool that does that for me, which means right now it's either Adobe or like the GIMP. And the GIMP is like, you know, oh my God, that's an impenetrable UI. So. It's like, uh, it's, it's, it's more bulletproof than, uh, Adobe Photoshop because Photoshop is like pretty yeah, impenetrable cool. as well. So well, I know, but at least it's got, I don't know. Yeah, no, I hear you. Sort of, you know, is it, did they okay. remove it though? Because. You know, I, I, I've seen this oftentimes where we're like, well, nobody's using this. We got to pay somebody for this IP. So we're going to take this IP and throw it overboard. <laughs> right. Cause if we're going to stop cutting checks, these people, they must, they pull that feature because they had to pay somebody for it. Right. Maybe. I mean, that's, I guess that's the only thing I can think of. Cause I mean, why would you remove a feature? I mean, even if it was not being used, I guess if somebody was, you know, trying to focus on, you know, slimming down the code, but I mean, I don't know. It's a photos app. It's not that big of a deal. So I don't know. I loved it. So I'm still pissed they got rid of it. Yeah, no, I I hear you, but you know, I just think it's I just don't like that because I know we're gonna we're gonna be the day where you're gonna have to pay to get an OS update. It feels like mm, I don't know, not sure. No, oh, no. I hope not. but if it's a, then what exactly? So if I mean Microsoft loves the subscription model. In fact, let's let's be fair to Microsoft. Everybody loves the subscription model. Like you go to buy, like I'm gonna go buy some Tide from Amazon. Would you like to subscribe and save three dollars? <laughs> it's like I don't need fifty gallons of Tide. You know, I don't even use Tide, but I'm just yeah, I HP printers. Yeah, everybody yeah. is into the it, subscription model because that's just yeah. well. That's, I mean, when it's done right, I mean, Game Pass is awesome. You literally right. get a lot of awesome stuff. That yep. is a subscription that's worth it. You know, so I, I think if it's worth it, then yeah, it's. It's it's good, you know. I think it just depends on: Are you willing to do that on an OS level? I mean, has any? I mean, that's never been done, right? That would be. I mean, well, you just would buy new. Yeah, 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 but not like, oh, hey, listen, you you pay us, you know, twenty bucks a year, and you're guaranteed to get all the OS updates. Uh, You know, ah, yeah, that'd be so weird. It was kind of like that once you had a you know a CD with the updates that was back you know back in the day right so I mean that was kind of the updates I guess mm. but yeah I see what you're saying I, but it feels like we they want to get us there because it you know you're all you know it is not and let's be fair it is not cheap to pay somebody to write code troubleshoot debug yeah I don't know if there's any debugging anymore but I mean like <laughs> there's clearly somebody who's getting paid and you got to pay those people. Right. And the only way they re- they generate revenue from OS is charging OEMs. They right. essentially it's free for consumers, right. so they charge OEMs. But where's the revenue stream that paid to continue to make that product better? It's like and look look at your Android app. You used to like you used to be like, hey, you remember when you could buy a password keeper? <laughs> no, <laughs> not anymore. Good luck finding one where you can't. You know. You have to pay every month or every year for it now. So but I think I think updates actually sort of segues into what we're talking about sort of next within Windows 11, and that's moments. Uh, oh, I thought you were going to say that? Windows 12. That's, that's... <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah. I mean, so we'll get to that. Part, yeah. Yeah. So Microsoft has said publicly, and they've you know they did this back in I think it was February actually, where they've have you know new ways of pushing code to your PC, and these are essentially called windows experience packs and there's this little sort of mechanism there to which would normally be part of of a windows update where you sort of get fixes and now you're getting new features being attached to these things and we saw that a little bit about how we had that windows widget down your left hand corner of your screen now typically shows the weather as opposed to just you know just this little sort of you know ui element where you can open this thing up so 
what we're going to see uh, apparently is we're going to see now we're not going to see so many feature releases per year. We're going to see these staggered number, and it's not clear because Microsoft hasn't confirmed any of this, a staggered number of moments which can roll out really, I guess, at any time uh, over the course of the year, which is really kind of a big change of pace, uh, especially if you're somebody that doesn't like unexpected surprises. So mm-hmm. the word that we're hearing from a couple of, you know, just people who just, you know, dissect code for a living on Twitter, but have generally have a decent track record is that we should be seeing the first moment in October uh, of 22H2. And this is going to add like a feature that we kind of expected, which is, um, the uh, tab elements for the file explorer you know mm-hmm. we had windows we had some microsoft at one point in time way back when had said hey we're going to take some of these uh file explorer elements and and kind of create a tab interface where you're going to see mail and calendar and even edge sort of in a, in, a, in a tab interface like your browser and they never actually did that but we have seen file explorer instead of having different windows for your files uh, we've seen this in a, in a tabbed environment uh, in the dev channel, and they're po- supposedly it was going to come out in 22H2, and now it's, it's not there in release preview, and supposedly there's going to be this bit of a catch-up uh, moment being released in October where you're going to see this, this kind of thing. So, I mean, File Explorer already has in 22H2. We haven't talked about it, but it's, it has slightly different interface to it all. Uh, OneDrive is a bit more prominent and so forth. But that's the tab interface oh. is kind of one of the things that it, we expected. It just isn't there. And that's supposedly coming. And yes, it opens up an entire new can of worms. Like, okay, uh, what, how many moments are they going to be? When are they going to be rolled out? What features they're going to be in? And is it going to change something that I know and love? I mean, that's, I mean, that, like I said, only can of worms. Yeah, that, that makes me think uh, IT nightmares and production nightmares. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so. I, that's exactly what it is. Yeah, yep. Exactly. Well, yeah, because I mean, it's, and this is the thing that is kind of crazy, but everybody has boarded on their phones and their Chromebooks, right? right. Um, by the way, Microsoft hasn't confirmed this, and we're hoping to hear a little bit more about this in the future. But so far, this is this rumor, but it's probably it's probably on target. But I mean, <clears throat> did you remember, like, you would update your Chrome OS, and then, like, like the interface, like, made zero sense. Like, it was such a complete 180 change. Like, Chrome OS used to be built a certain way, and then one day it was like, you know, we're going to change it. And you had no choice. You basically went on Tuesday, you had this version, and then on Wednesday, you could no longer use your Chromebook the way that you were used to doing it. And it's very much that way, although less so on, on Android and iPhone, where they make complete changes to the UI, and, and you're just like, I I got used to using how I used it, and now you're going to change everything? And how, yeah. People just don't like that. You know, To me, that's always been kind of the, one of the comforting things about Windows is it generally moves a lot slower. I mean, right. you have zero control over Chrome OS. You have zero control over iOS or Android, unless your phone is so old, they don't update it anymore. But you just don't I, know. It's going to be randomly different. You know, the next time an update comes through. Yeah, and that's the thing I've always complained about with Microsoft is a lack of communication. I mean, they just don't, um, you know, most every application on the planet will have some sort of a change log where they'll just simply say, hey, okay, we're releasing a new version. You have the option to update, and here's what you get. Um, Microsoft doesn't really rely on that. It sort of publishes these things in the uh, change logs that are attached to the insider previews. You know, it'll sort of, sort of kind of have a blog post announcing what's coming and when, but 
it really, I don't know, it just doesn't do a great job of communicating to the actual user. It does fine, I guess, in communicating to us in the press, but as far as the actual user is concerned, there's just not as much um, anything. I mean, there's a tips app, I guess it sort of floats around, but yeah, I, I think that's a real, uh, one of the real weaknesses on Microsoft's part is just simply communicating and being in touch with users about what's coming and when. Mm. So. But do you think that's just kind of one of the problems Microsoft is always going to fundamentally face is you have a very large, a very obstinate <laughs> install base. Like you, everybody like, you know what? I got everything set up the way I want it. Don't screw with it. Like, but at the same time, Microsoft, they, they need to basically think about people, new customers, right? Cause they're always yeah. facing constant threats from the competition and they need to improve the operating system experience to get where the competition is. Right. So then they're kind of stuck because you got people like, I want it to look like Windows 7 until the end of time. And then they really have to make major changes because they're fighting Chrome OS. They're fighting whatever the hell Apple's doing. And, you know, who knows, if, you know, anybody else gets in this field. But building a, a, a company where you're simply static and sitting there all the time, it just makes you a big fat target, you know, and you, as you sink into the tar. And I, I get, I feel that, but I'm also like, I wish it looked like Windows 7 to the end of time. So I don't know how the hell they ever square that experience. I think there's a couple of things to unpack there. So first of all, it's interesting. It seems like for me, and I could be wrong on this, but it seems like Apple treats feature updates a little bit more like a kind of like a benevolent dictator or an institution where it simply says, this is, the, this is what's coming down. This is what's coming down the pipe and doesn't necessarily put a, a face to it necessarily. I mean, the, we have the, the, the introductions like we're having today, for example, in the Apple. No, I, I disagree. I benevolent dictator is not, it would be more like, Oh my God, look, we have the coming guillotines, everybody. Oh my God. Yes. We have the guillotines and the blades will be pink and this will be purple and blue and green. Oh my God. I love the guillotines that are so like what's going in the guillotines i don't know but we got new colors on the guillotines you know like oh my god this is the best thing ever guillotines are in different colors now and like that's a different world so that's yeah but i, I think that so i mean i still want half of it though with, with microsoft you know when i see the insider releases come out they're attached to a person's name and i think those people some of those poor insiders oh we did you don't really do a nice job um get a lot of flack because they're the public face of the company right. and they shouldn't be i mean they're not, they're not the people that are making the decisions they're simply the people communicating the decisions and I think that um, it ends up feeling a little defensive on their end. But I think Microsoft's view, though, I think I do think Apple sort of says, OK, this is the future and this is how we're getting there. And this is what's coming. And that's the way it's going to be. And Microsoft, A, tries to take sort of this a little bit more of a personal approach with its insider program, but also on a communication to the general public. It takes more of an IT approach where it says, OK, we're going to put all the details you want to know in a support file or something of that sort, rather than simply trying to engage as a company with the consumers that use its products. I mean, I think it does that because it has on the IT space and the developer space, it's got developer evangelists, it's got IT support people, it's got QA, uh, it's got people who interact with people even on a personal basis, just to sort of facilitate and smooth over the wrinkles. But on the consumer space, the people, the millions and millions of people that use it, it just doesn't do that. And I think that Again, I think it just needs better communication uh, 
something just, and I don't even mean commercials or blog posts or anything of that sort, but just something that simply says it pops up and says you're getting an update and here's what's in it. Because it set, will say that you're getting a feature update or a new Windows experience, but it doesn't actually say what's in it. And I think that's a real fundamental mistake. They should always, always, always tell people, okay, here's what you're getting when you're downloading this code. And if you want, you have an option to opt out of it for a certain amount of time. And it just doesn't, they don't make it simple or easy or transparent or anything like that. I think that's just a real problem with the company as it is. But I, I, at the same time, I also know that like, Hey, if I can just nope out to everything, everybody's going to nope out to everything. That's true. I agree. And I think you're right in that, but you have, you're, you can do that. Maybe that's been a mistake too. I don't know. I'm, yeah, I'm not sure about how I feel all about that because you're right. Most people don't want any changes. Yeah, I mean, I mean, to me, that's the weird thing. It's like I, the problem with Windows is it's too successful. The tent is too big. You have no, they have no room to maneuver. Like mm-hmm. these moments, that's going to go over like a, a lead Zeppelin in IT <laughs> shops, right? Because you'd be like, yeah. no, no, we would never want to change anything. Why? Because we'd we'd have to work harder as IT people, and our people be confused. That makes us work. If you're going to make us work to, in IT, no, no, never change imagine, anything. IT should will probably be able to opt out of these things. I, I know, but then yeah. sort of like I always think like the strength. The one argument has always been like, you know what? You, you use a Windows laptop for work. You're going to use a Windows desktop. Well, all in one at home, and it's all the same. And if you're noped out on work, but your your consumer experience is like you know, five moments down the road and it's totally different than what you can do on your work machine. Now you have that disconnect. And I mean, right. it's, it's also different. It's like we have our own pre-built systems. I, I think at least Gordon and I were on windows 10, but it's like, Oh, if you buy a new laptop, you get no option there. It's, it's already oh. windows 11. So then it's right. like, okay, well I got a desktop and a laptop, two different operating systems. Yeah. Yeah. And it, but it's, I mean, I guess that's sort of the, you just move everybody slowly. You can't make these huge radical changes because the the community can't take it. They can only take small changes, slowly done. And and mm-hmm. every once in a while, they they come along and they they put up the fence with the electric, you know, shock thing, and it <laughs> it forces everybody to move along a little bit. And that's I, I I guess that's just the situation they're stuck in. When you when you have billions of install base, what are you going to do? Right, you can't. Right, you, you, it's a terrible situation for Microsoft to be in. I think. Well, oh yeah, it's a lose lose. I mean, in a way, because they're always going to piss somebody off. Yeah, well, yeah. They're they're also already talking about Windows twelve. Like, is now a good time to talk about it? <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, we can we we can talk about it. I mean, it's, it's well, no. I mean, things. like the, them. Like, oh. is it a good time for Microsoft oh. to go out here and be like, oh yeah, you know, Windows. Don't worry, Windows twelve's coming soon. Mm, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, you know, it, it was weird because, you know, there was Windows 10 was going to be the end all be all for ages and ages and ages. And then they, they switched on that and then they've switched back again. They're talking about major releases, which we don't even necessarily know if it's going to be called Windows 12. It might just be called, I don't know, Windows 11 Gen 2. <laughs> no, you know, some, some crap. You know, I don't know. It's not, not going to happen. But I mean, you know, I think it, Windows 12, you got to do Windows 12. Probably. Anytime yeah. you have, and again, Windows 11 is essentially Windows 10 with a new UI, frankly. It's right. improved. In fact, a lot of things would be improved underneath, but 
it's amazing what like a little bit of fresh paint on something and a new number does, right? Oh my God, Windows. I love Windows 12. And can you imagine what it's like at Microsoft, the campus? It's like, like, you know, like 80, 99% of the code base is the same. We change the stupid number. We put it in a different box and you're eating this up. You know, they make a few other changes and like everybody be like, could you imagine? I just, the, the, just like, the, the hair pulling at Microsoft has got to be like, it's the same damn thing. You think we rewrote this whole thing from, 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 the, from the bottom down? It's just like, no, it does not. Uh, Ukraininsky51 in the chat says uh, they should call it Windows 360. There you go. That's the next one. <laughs> you know, that's, wow, that's like, or 365. That would imply a subscription. That was, yeah, yeah, exactly. It would imply a subscription. <laughs> I think 12. And then, you know, I, as much as, as much as everybody loves the bag on Microsoft, they still offer standalone Office. You can it buy is. that and run it to yep. the world ends, right? Yep. And so yep. it's full of holes. You can run Windows <laughs> standalone. And there's a lot of their products. They still sell standalone, run it to the end of time. So, yep. And they also, let's be honest, too. Let's, let's give them some credit. Yeah, everybody's pissed off over all this feature and that feature and this. You know, eventually they like, you know what? Okay, we've heard enough. We've heard enough of your complaining. We're going to change it. Like they're making these little changes. So they do listen. And I will say, I'm not so sure a lot of the other vendors do that. Like they're yeah. just like, you know what? You don't like it. Just walk. Just just go somewhere mm-hmm. else, right? What Windows 12 is, I mean, what Windows 12 will probably offer if it offers anything. And it's going to have, you know, a few UI changes. It's going to have a look a little fresh, you know, a little bit of a fresh look. But if you dig down, it's going to be like what, you know, when you go into an old house and you want to like, repaint the walls or change the floors. I mean, you start scraping away layers of paint and you start seeing old wallpaper and then your <laughs> hardwood floor and then linoleum and so forth. I mean, it's always going to be this sort of layers of code. It's like an you know, archaeological dig. You know, you still see the control panel looking like it's been there for a decade ago. And right. You yeah. have to imagine it's going to be like that for anything they do with uh, Windows 12 as well. It's very true, right? Because you'll, you'll, like, you'll be in Windows 11 because I do all of the you know, performance testing in 11. And then you'll like get to some like, wow, this is like ancient Windows 3.1 control panel. Thing there because like, I bet the font manager still looks like it's from Windows 3.1, you know, like uh, we're getting some really good names for the next Windows in the chat. We, we got Windows Series X, Windows 1, uh, Windows Series Max, uh, Windows Pro Max, uh, Windows Remastered. Windows the motion picture. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, those aren't serious ones. <laughs> Although I, I can almost see that series. I mean, could you go back to one? Is it time to like go back to zero or one? You oh, know, you like, would just we call it Windows, right? Windows and just call it no, no, no. for like no, no, Mortal no, Kombat. And the right. Windows. It's or just Windows. it's just the Windows. Maybe. <laughs> just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> I just I'm just look but still though Steam I, I haven't looked at what are the I mean Steam is always one thing, but that's a very, very different crowd. How is Windows 11 doing elsewhere? Is it like, like, I mean, it's, it's an all new machine. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's become, you know, the de facto, certainly the, the de facto operating system for people to go ahead and, 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 you know, that are in new PCs. I mean, and that's going to obviously increase the market share as well as the sort of the, the mind share as it goes forward too, as people have to use it then they'll become familiar with it and that'll just become the way that people interact with their pc so i mean there's from that standpoint you know you're always going to win in that standpoint but you know for people who build their pcs it's a different story because you can go ahead and pick and choose what you want right yeah Hmm. uh well anything else to talk about uh in windows land before we move (laughs) on because i have one last question there's actually a very critical one too for 20 oh my god so 22h2 which is the update that's coming out is it mm-hmm. very, very soon? Right. So 
do you know if Windows um, virtual or VBS? I can't remember what the hell it's called anymore. Uh, is is that forced on by default? Because I on definitely I've seen pretty decent oh. performance hits from turning on virtual security. I, I, I don't know, but actually, when you were mentioning that, it, it prompted me to to to, uh, to mention something else. And this is something that I haven't tested because I actually just haven't rebooted uh, a pro machine. But this is one of the things that. Um, uh, honestly, to be fair, uh, Windows Central pointed out in the review, and it's not in mine, and it should be at least from a note standpoint. So um, Windows uh, 11 uh, Home, you know, launched requiring a Microsoft account, and they previously in the dev channel in 22.252, I think it was, they changed it so uh, Windows 11 Pro now requires a Microsoft account to log in before you sort of, you know, essentially you cannot log in. You can log in with a local account, but only after you signed in with a Microsoft account, which kind of, you know, negates the whole, you know, don't let me, don't force me into using a Microsoft account thing. So that I believe is going to be part and part of, of 22H2. And, and like I said, honestly, it's something that uh, I have to uh, go back and, and, and test and, and check to see if I, can. I have one of these, one of these machines is a pro machine. I have to go back and oh. check. That. I, I but can yeah, tell you, that's not a fun thing. people don't realize this, but it's actually in windows 10 too. Like if you download the latest version of windows 10, like the last, oh, really? yeah, you're forced. There's no longer like, skip or disconnect wi-fi it's just they they've they clearly want everybody to have a windows account so if you're even if you're doing the new windows the latest version iso that you download you got to do the same damn thing so it kind of which kind of sucks because i was i was building an old box up for a relative and (laughs) i i didn't want to pay for the os and this machine had an oem key a license so i used the old os so I installed the older OS, and then I did install in place, and then it it and it forced me to do the uh, the login account. So. Yeah, I mean, I use a Microsoft account, but I you know feel and I certainly understand there's people that are vehemently against anything like that. Yeah, and I I I do it as well because I I like the fact that it stores your BitLocker key somewhere because mm-hmm. you're going to lose right. it, and yeah. I I just don't like being the hypocrite of having a Google account and an Apple account and an Amazon account and all these other things. But somehow when you get the Microsoft, you're like, no, I can't give you the account. Yeah, like you've right. given accounts for your stupid ref- Samsung refrigerator. You have to have an account <laughs> for it. And you're like somehow up in arms over this incredibly complicated machine that you love so much and does so much in your life, but you do not want to log into a Microsoft. To me, it's like, it just feels like you're being a hypocrite there. So. Uh, you do. There are some people in the chat saying there's uh, there's workarounds. Uh, so there are yeah, yeah. In, in, there interesting are ways to, to yeah, work around. This, but you have to there think are. about it ahead yeah. of time, though. Yeah, and then you're like, oh, I'm already here. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna waste another two hours starting all over again. I I created an, an account for this person, and then I just like here's the account. Yeah, so, the average user is not gonna dive yeah. into the registry and fill fill a little bit. Uh, yeah. So, and anything else with Windows, or should we move on? Yeah, I guess we do. I think that's it. Well, uh, you know, we're talking a lot about IT and uh, IT headaches. Well, you know what? Uh, a lot of IT people use a uh, TeamViewer here, here at IDG. We actually use TeamViewer as well. Uh, so, we, you know, I'm, I'm, Gordon. I know you personally use TeamViewer. I love you? TeamViewer. It has saved me many times driving ten miles to a relative's house. So I can just click the button that they are unable to click for some reason. So I click it for them using TeamViewer. 
saves me a lot of time. Believe me, it's, it, it, I do, I'm, I've long been a big fan of it because, yeah, literally many, many times it has saved me gumbic going in my car, driving all the way over. And if you just click this button here, we're done. <laughs> Why couldn't you do that? Okay. Right. Well, and uh, yeah, I, I got to say, uh, team viewer, thank you so much for, for sponsoring this episode of The Full Nerd. Next Wednesday, oh, let me double check the date. Next Wednesday, the 14th, so a week from uh, today, we have a, a, a team viewer sponsored challenge, uh, which is actually going to be pretty fun. We, we we had set this up earlier, but uh, we're finally getting uh, getting to it. But the uh, <clears throat> what what I did was I went and built a machine. Uh, I broke a lot of things. Uh, I mean, not not broke, broke, but I, I went through and kind of uh, uh, broke things about it hardware wise and software wise that I think a lot of us have seen in like family members or friends uh, builds. And they're like, oh, why is it not working? Uh, and so what I'm going to do is I'm going to I'm going to pretend to play the person uh, who has the broken PC in the other room. Gordon is going to remote in using TeamViewer and he has half an hour to fix as many right yeah yeah and i i've done i have a list i i need to go back and and find it i, I sent it to willis i've done 30 things to that box uh a mixture of hardware and software related things uh that, that you hopefully can fix uh a lot of in 30 minutes using only team viewer right uh and the cool thing is it's not just the desktop app like remoting into uh you know from one pc to another uh, it also has this smartphone app that you can send somebody a link and say, hey, download this. Uh, and Gordon's going to be able to use the camera on my phone to help me troubleshoot physical aspects of of, of the box that's broken. Uh, you can even drop like little pointers. So, you know, if I'm like, oh, hey, uh, you know, I've got no RAM in this system, you know, and right. he, he just drops a little pointer. I'm going to play really dumb. I have like this oh, this whole persona I've built up. It's, it's going to be really fun. Like nice. definitely tune into this because uh, it's going to be a good time. And yeah, I. I really look forward to it because the capabilities, like I mentioned, saving me the time of driving to somebody's house just to do the most basic, you know, key function button push menu with what we're going to do next week is going to be really also troubleshooting some hardware stuff, which I didn't know you could do. And I'm really excited for it because I just, you know, everybody calls you up for help. And you're like, you know, why don't we just load this? We're going to fix this remotely. I don't want to drive all the way to your house. You know, just, yeah. I, I'm really looking forward to this. And if there's any Windows experts, come here because I, you know, the rules don't allow me to have ringers. So if you're like, you know how to drive and fix Windows like no one else, talking to all the tech support people out there, <laughs> yeah. show up because you can help me because I, 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 I'm confident I can get through a lot of the hardware issues. I hope. I'm not so sure I can get through every single issue that uh, Adam is going to induce into this. Well, I, I, I see some people uh, saying some funny ones. I, I, I'm not I'm not intentionally bricking it. It, it definitely worked at some point. Uh, but, I, you know, like it's got thermal paste. It's not, you know, I, I didn't accidentally leave plastic on the PCI slot for the GP or something. You know, like these are things like realistic things, things that I'm like, oh, OK, this this I've seen somebody do this wrong or I've seen this undone. Uh, and hopefully Gordon fix it. And and you can come in the chat. Gordon's going to have the chat up. Uh, he's he's going to need the help of chat to get to some of these, I think. Uh, but there's no re reg edits. You know, I didn't do any command line stuff. This is this is all just, you know, kind of kind of basic stuff. But a lot of it, I think Gordon's going to have our time with. So <laughs> are you going to have a have a browser with a sort of a dodgy uh, Internet history in, in, in it? 
We'll see. We will see. We'll see. Uh, Adam has not yeah. told me what he has done to this machine, it, it, so we I, just know there's yeah. 30 things. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've told you that, like, none of them are mission critical. None of them are going to make the computer melt. Like I said, I've got thermal paste on there. Like, uh, I didn't... It, nothing like uh like an old version of the bios or something because oh well i gotta fix it and we gotta burn 15 minutes of the stream fixing you know a bios issue there's, there's, there's really only that. one thing that there's only one thing that team viewer i don't know if you can, can you actually do for you like if i'm gonna go down and drive down to my parents house my mom will feed me can team viewer do that oh man that's a good maybe, maybe there's yeah. a subscription service uh where they team with yeah. doordash or something maybe team, exactly is, yeah no i get that you know i, I know because you know the people you're helping you know oftentimes hopefully the people you are helping are grateful that you have you know you you've paid ten dollars in gas to drive to their house to fix their computer for them for free because it's always free but I, I see the meal thing, but oftentimes if you're you're honestly kind of antisocial and you don't want to do it, and it yeah. is an obligation for you because most people who know their way around their computer, if you're around your relatives or friends who just aren't that experienced, you want to help them. So I, I like, yeah, you know, you can still give me. I fix this. You can still give me maybe you know a credit for a, a happy meal at McDonald's or something like a that. Starbucks or, gift card. Uh, yeah, Starbucks <laughs> gift card. Or, there you go. I, I can see that. I like that, but I just kind of feel like sometimes you just don't want to be social. You're just like, oh, it's just like we're enjoying a nice doing nothing, and now I got to drive my butt all the way to your house to fix it. So, like, I, I, I think you're right, though. The, the meal thing is, that might be worth it sometime. You could yeah. leave something where you got to go and fix it, I guess. Yeah, there you go. Uh, okay, so, yeah, t- tune into that, uh, and thank you for your uh, team for, for sponsoring this episode. Uh, we do have a couple super chats real quick. Sid Lives, a uh, friend of the show, gave us uh, $4.99. Thank you so much. Said, uh, here's some money for tater tots and maybe uh, uh, to start a, a uh, a fund for Gordon buying a coupe. Uh, yeah. And VC Jester gave us $5 super chat. Thank you so much. Uh, in relation to Windows, said if you want to get rid of the TPM requirements, you're going to have to teach Meemaw how to quit clicking on the uh, fishy links. So, yeah, you know, that, that is a part of it. Uh, also, uh, breaking, uh, kind of breaking news, uh, we are literally five subscribers away from 300,000 subscribers on PC really? World's YouTube channel. I'm know. watching the live feed right now. We're at 299.995. But that means people so, are going to unsubscribe just to mess with it. Oh, that, that would be funny, yeah. Right so e- either no, everyone not. hurry and unsubscribe now no, <laughs> or, or be... subscribe. We just need five more people and we'll do, we'll right here, go over the finish line uh, live. Uh, oh, there, there's one, so we're at 996. Uh, we're, we're we're almost there, so I'll I'll chime. Is in the bell that. dropping? Is the bell <laughs> dropping? No way. Is there a stretch goal? Uh, no stretch goal, Gordon. What is Gordon, this Gordon goal? will uh, Gordon will do like floss? Do you know how to floss, Gordon? What is a stretch goal? Uh, I know, I've seen floss on the internet. I didn't understand it, but I don't know. <laughs> we we need three more, two more, and Gordon's going to floss for us. Uh, I don't even know. I don't even uh, just. Oh, one more. Two hundred ninety nine 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 nine. That's that's kind of up. Oh, and there we go. Three hundred thousand. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Made it. Yes. Yes. Thank you. Uh, now, now, Gordon, you got to floss. You got to do the. I don't even know. It's whatever. I whatever. Just, just try it. Just I don't just, just stand up and try. It. Okay. Just there for three hundred. I don't know. <laughs> You're a hula hoop. There, there we go. That's a hula hoop. I like it. I like like it thank you thank you everybody. Like some, somebody unsubscribe now <laughs> oh yeah now now we're back down oh well now we can just keep hitting three hundred thousand over and over again for gordon to floss <laughs> so. 
I know you, internet. You're going to unsubscribe just to like. Just to resubscribe. Yes, because that's what I would do. That's what I would do because I am the internet, too. Well, th- thank you, everybody. Thank you. That, that was fun. I, I don't think we've ever passed a major milestone on a live stream like this. That's, so. that's yeah. That was, no. that was a good time. I was going to mention that silly thing they dropped. I mean, sorry, New York. What is that thing they drop in? They drop a ball. Square? Yeah. Ball. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That, that thing stays there all year too, right? Uh, uh yeah, I guess so. It probably I, just I gets like full no of pigeons idea. and like it just was just like it must be like it's like in December. It must be a total mess. <laughs> they uh, turn it on, it burns off all the pigeon poop, and then like. <laughs> also, uh, Sid lives. A uh, friend of the show, Sid lives, gave us a one dollar ninety nine cents. Uh, said floss, Gordon floss. Yeah, floss. Uh, I don't even. Yeah. I have to look how to do. I have to look how to do it properly. I don't. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um. I, okay. Uh. Now let, let's talk about the fun stuff. Arm. Yeah. Arm. Uh, yeah, yeah. Ar- arm. Is it competitive? Can it ever be competitive? What the hell's going on with arm? And I, I'm going to bring this up because uh, okay. we had uh, Wendell from Level One Text. He was just so super impressed by um, you know Amazon. They have AWS Graviton processors. He says these things are just like smoking everybody. He's like they're just yeah. like, and he really like like. You know, this Wendell, I really respect because Wendell knows his way around a computer and computer. He's just like, this thing is like, these are like hot. Like, and I was like, well, how does that apply to desktop? Because like, that's an Amazon server thing. But he's like, you know, if they did a desktop version, could it, could, could we really see ARM ever kind of like proliferate? And it's kind of hard to explain. I mean, it's kind of hard to believe, isn't it? I mean, we've seen ARM start to dominate on servers you know we've seen arm start to dominate uh you know in embedded we've seen arm and dominate in various other places and just in desktop it just hasn't it's just not there i mean except for apple which is showing which is sort of leading the way and of course you know there's uh, you know as, as you've tested it out there's certain applications where it's stronger and or weaker yeah. and so forth and so forth but yeah, I mean, it's just in some ways, it's kind of hard to believe that um, we just haven't seen a competitive ARM product uh, on the desktop or you know, mobile, however you want to call it. Uh, yeah, PC. both. No, I would agree with both. We have not seen Windows on ARM ever. It's never impressed me, except for battery life. But well, and then that's the thing, right? I was really high on uh, Qualcomm and Snapdragon on PC when it first launched because it offered something that we really hadn't seen before on the PC, and that was really you know, on a laptop, I should say all day truly all day battery life i mean 18 hours 20 hours or something of that sort and then you know it was kind of like uh what happened with i mean dating back to uh god i mean the centrino platform i mean with intel when transmeta came along you know all of a sudden <clears throat> transmeta is there and is talking about like emulation and, and long battery life and all of a sudden intel's like oh hey you know we can, we can do long battery <laughs> yeah. life too and they just like just repurpose themselves to that point and you know, what you started seeing soon after, you know, the, the, the Windows and R laptops developed was that, you know, instead of having a thin and light laptop with an x86 processor in it, you saw a thicker uh, and sort of relatively light platform. I mean, you know, the answer was just slap more battery cells in the thing. And that got you to that point. And, you know, you, you kind of feel sorry, I think, for, for Qualcomm in general, just because, you know, I was thinking about it a little bit earlier today, and the the pandemic really just nailed them where it hurts because the whole point of having a Qualcomm Windows and ARM laptop is you want a thin and light laptop that stays with you and stays on all day. And for you know, not now, but for the last most of the last two years, you know, people are transporting their laptop between their living room and their you know bedroom or something of that yeah. sort. I mean, and, and with a plug always nearby, that just that 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 selling point just hasn't been there. 
Um, yeah, you're right. It did come at the worst time because they were pushing those Qualcomm-based Windows devices, and and it was ultra portable, always on the move. You want it light, you want long battery life, but nobody gave a damn for two years. Like, I don't care. No. I don't right. care. Exactly. Yeah. People were using desktops all the time for their work machines, whereas before they would, you know, pull things out and go to work and so forth. And it just wasn't there. I mean, I, I as we talked a little bit about earlier, I mean, it's ironic given the fact that we are actually in, uh, especially the three of us sitting in California, in the middle of the most severe heat wave in California's history. Uh, last night, you know, at around what, five or 6 p.m., you know, the we got emergency alerts on our phone saying, hey, turn off all non-essential appliances. We need to save power so we can avoid lo- rolling blackouts. And that whole, you know, concept of energy efficiency, uh, whereas if everyone was using uh, a Qualcomm Snapdragon PC on their desktop or, you know, whether it be a laptop or desktop, what have you, instead of a power hungry x86, you know, you can make the argument, do we get to that point? I mean, you know, energy efficiency is one of the things that you apparently have talked about on a regular basis. And it's only right now that that really hits people hard, uh, both in their pocketbook and, and where it matters as far as keeping that air conditioner on. Yeah. And, you know, I and my argument and everybody, again, thinks uh, I'm I'm off here, but I just my, the I just believe the truth is as a marketing point, efficiency has never worked with consumers. People don't. People don't like, they see, oh my God, it's, it's 400 frames per second. They see, oh, look how fast it is in video editing. And then they go like, oh, I save 40%. Who, oh, I don't care. Or like, just kind of like, it's just, there's a reason why people buy big old trucks and, and people love V8 still here in the mm-hmm. U.S. And it's just performance sells. And, and not even just here in the U.S., but across the world, performance does sell more than efficiency. So it has, and that's just the the, the truth. And I don't. I don't see that. That's why I kind of feel like I don't. I don't think ARM will ever make any inroads on desktop. It just feels like I know people think is like it's going to one day. I'm when we get there, we get there. But I'm like at at this moment, I can see nothing beating AMD or Intel or Nvidia. So I mean, I think it should. I mean, my my, my son as he was home yesterday doing his homework, and he has a gaming PC. And that thing was just his room was like five or 10 degrees warmer than the rest of the house oh. the door shut i mean in you know that's the thing right i mean he doesn't need all that power to do whatever he was doing i guess is you know math or whatever it was but you know he had it on it essentially was a you know a, a gaming chromebook you know for what it was uh he doesn't need that he could have a small cheap power less intense power less intensive power less power intensive pc and and, and and really had a more comfortable environment in his room. But you know what? I'm sure he didn't even think about that. He just said, okay, my PC is on. My room's going to be hot. That's the price I pay. Yeah, no, and, and I had the same situation because both my kids were on their gaming machines with the RGB all lit up to like a you know, Wrigley Field. And <laughs> it was, uh, I I actually went in the office, sat with this laptop in, my lap, in front of the one air conditioner we have in the in the in the office and like, you know what? I'm not going to crank up my stupid big desktop because I know it's just, you're just, I'm creating more heat that the AC has to now deal with. So I'll just sit with my laptop and deal with that. But I, but again, <laughs> like the, the kids, like if you give them a choice between efficient device and one that just like, like that pulls those emotion lovers, they're going to go yeah, for exactly. those emotion lovers, yeah. right? Yeah. Some kids, teenagers, not going to go out and get a, a, a Civic. They're going to get themselves a Mustang if they have the money for it. Well, or they'll get a Civic and they'll make it look like Wait, a Mustang. Are, are kids even getting it. cars nowadays? So, oh. yeah, I disagree with oh, that. That's, I don't know. Yeah, I I think that 
to yeah, me, it's we'll see. I don't I don't really I believe that whole all all of the 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 people predicting oh in the future kids don't want their own cars. I'm well, like, no, I'm not I, I, I know some people. I'm seeing so we know we actually know somebody who is seeing that too. So well, yeah. I mean, a lot of people were saying that like in the future they're just going to do ride sharing. They're not going to drive. I have a relative or kid, just stay home and play video games. Finally got a yeah. license. He's never had a license. He got a license. I'm like, you didn't get that license because you do ride shares. So I just think the appeal of and this is the thing is in you know this is not going to work over in the world you get in a car you're you control your destiny it's like it's like sailing in the ocean it's like sailing the concrete oceans of the world you can go anywhere do anything you want with that car and i just think that's very different and that's you know but that to me but but getting back to arm though right i i just don't i don't i don't even understand why we're doing this frankly i mean i know there's efficiency arguments but you know there's you know, AMD and, and Intel and NVIDIA, they are working towards that, too. They are sensitive to efficiency issues because now you have Apple there. But I think really the whole reason why they've always sort of pushed the powertrain up the curve is because they have to fight with each other over performance. So it's actually a good thing that Apple is actually in, in around. I mean, frankly, most people are not going to buy an Apple, but... It, it's still sort of that thorn in their sides. Like a lot of the new laptops I'm seeing, Alder Lake, which is not really as power efficient as from what I'm seeing as, as previous generations of Intel laptops, uh, a lot of them are tuned to be very quiet, to really mm-hmm. get the fan noise down. That's right. And I think the only reason why they're doing that is because people now have complained about fan noise. They now complain about heat. Whereas before, like you're only comparing yourself to an AMD or yourself. It didn't really matter. So now there's something else that they have to sort of like, it's, it's very much like the transmeta argument, right? Mm-hmm. Intel was riding that Pentium four pony. And then like, Oh, Oh, then, and let's be honest too. The press hype over transmeta was freaking yep. stupidly insane over the yep. top and not well-placed. Like I remember you would call the transmeta, you would call the transmeta PR line. It was like, and they would mention something about, and we are something like, we are not a public company. Like, basically, because everybody's like, oh, this is the future, and we want to put our money into it. And Transmeta went nowhere. It fell flat yeah. on its face, and then it mm-hmm. rolled over, and then a boulder fell on it, right? So I don't, I just think, like, I think sort of Apple helps, just like Transmeta sort of helps Intel, AMD, and NVIDIA be better in something that people now suddenly care about that they weren't caring about three years ago. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, actually, that's funny because I always remember I, I actually was at the Transmeta launch. And I remember showing up like a half an hour early and like getting a hold of like uh, one of their press packets, and they actually had benchmark information on it. So I was like, you know, filed a quick story or something of that sort. So I thought, oh, yeah, you know, my my editor was. It's like, good job. So I was quite <laughs> pleased myself on that. Um, but anyways, yes. And it, it, went, it went nowhere. I mean, you know, it, was, it, it was a total dud. And the, and yeah. the thing is, like, and everybody was like, oh, it's this amazing. Was it is it was it VLIW and some kind of weird emulation? And the, it was yeah, just like was, yep. huge really. train. of, And then like, oh, yeah. And the performance isn't good. OK, actually, right. this performance is yeah. actually horrible like performance was like yeah but you know what it's so much more efficient than what intel's making but like this performance is bad like if, well like, that's, that's of course obviously what's happening with with snapdragon and qualcomm too it's the emulation aspect of it and too and that's been holding it back for a long time too where you know i mean if you use a snapdragon pc it's actually not too bad as far as internet explorer not sorry edge and then and in office and so forth but yes i mean you know you get beyond sort of its core competencies and you run a compatibility 
compatibility issues, or you have uh, less so now. You're running compatibility issues, you're running performance issues, that type of thing. So it's had a rough, t- tough road to hoe. I mean, you know, obviously with Apple owning its own ecosystem, that's really given an advantage uh, and made ARM a, a winner over there that it hasn't been on Windows. So, I mean, yeah, right. Because yeah. I, I do think the if it is because Apple owns everything, it's that yep. benevolent dictator with the multicolored guillotines that things are so good over <laughs> in Apple land. I, I just think like you couldn't, you, I don't think Microsoft can do that because it's just, again, that big tent, you know? So, well, and they just don't, they just don't have the entire commitment to it. I think like Apple does Apple really, I think really said, just made a wholesale switch and said, you know what, this is the way of the future. We're going to divide, you know, we're going to, we're gonna, I mean, you know, obviously Microsoft does make some tweaks to ARM and, and, and various chips they get with, you know, the SQ series and so forth and the, the uh, uh, you know, the Surface Edition to processors and so forth, but not to the point that Apple does. Apple just, just you know, throws all its chips in the middle of the pot and says, all right, we're in. We're gonna yeah, but, they, work. but they can do that because, I mean, they, you know, it's sure. like, you know what, you can get on this train or <laughs> we're going to leave you behind and you're going to die. Like you yeah. are literally just going to, you're just going to wither away in the desert. So you can come with us on the train get aboard or you know and i don't think i'm not saying microsoft wouldn't do that but they just know mm-hmm. they can't because they there's just there's just way too many partners involved that make it the magic of of windows pcs the reason why even linux people you have to admit windows runs the world it rules well, the world. sure yeah microsoft has a lot of partners but it also has its fingers in a lot of pies too i mean apple doesn't have azure or anything close to that it has i mean azure is a huge business for microsoft and that's divides that that segments off of development resources capital expenses capital equipment expenses all that uh, you know, if they decided that they're going to head and make Azure, uh, you know, I mean, there's something you're stopping Microsoft from making their own ARM processor for servers, but so far we haven't seen it. Uh, you know, so it feels know, like they have to, though, right? I mean, they have to. That's just everybody makes their own stuff. Everybody like designs it. a custom part for them, and then they they basically have a unique product cell that makes yeah. them different than AWS or any of the other competing Although, products. I'm sure Intel's sales team is just like. Bad idea, guys. Bad idea. Don't do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you know, I I get that too. Because you know, Intel's always. I mean, they're always going to want to push people to their parts because that's what any business does. But does it? Uh, right. Can doesn't it also make them be better? Because to me, the thing that is, this is not. And I I talked to you a little bit about this before. Like people always talk about you know Microsoft and and Intel and how it's Wintel, but. I was just kind of, you know, reading about some old hardware and I stumbled upon something I don't even remember. Windows, Windows Ace. And then it, you're just like, what the hell was this? And it was some kind of side project where it was like, oh, we're going to make Windows and it's going to be for when we're beyond x86. It was basically, it was this, if I got this right, it was basically Microsoft, all these other processor companies, not Intel. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. So they were basically trying to divorce themselves from Intel because Intel they have the reason they they do really good stuff. They beat everybody in the beginning. They charge a lot of money because they like money. And you know Microsoft likes money too. And one way you do that is you get rid of somebody on your lifeboat. That's that's you know that's a lot of money. So they really it felt like like they basically like holy smokes this entire project is to cut Intel out of of the Windows world, right? Well, or you do that so you can negotiate a better position for whatever. Yeah, you're doing. I mean, yeah. yeah, you're right because it might be that, but I mean, you know. It, you could clearly see, you know, 
if Microsoft is looking at if if you're selling a seven hundred dollar laptop and two hundred dollars of that is in the CPU and I'm only getting fifty dollars for the OS, mm-hmm. I, I would like to get two hundred fifty dollars for my CPU and and my yeah. my OS too, right? Yeah, which is I think actually a decent segue into what's going on with ARM in Qualcomm uh, because I think it's a little bit of positioning as well. So uh, just to, to recap, uh, last week. Um, Arm sort of out of the blue, really, uh, decided to sue Qualcomm, arguing that um, essentially <clears throat> it had an agreement with uh, Nuvia, the company that Qualcomm bought basically as the savior of its uh, design business. Uh, it had an agreement with Nuvia to, um, to to essentially design their own processors, and that agreement did not transfer over to Qualcomm when Qualcomm actually bought them. So Arm is essentially... <clears throat> demanding that Nuvia and Qualcomm just, I think they use this term, destroy their uh, designs, which would essentially put Qualcomm at a severe disadvantage in terms of using Nuvia to improve its own uh, Snapdragon efforts. Uh, and there's a you know a number of things to unpack here, but essentially what has happened previously is that Nuvia, it was going to take over or believed to take over essentially the sort of architecture and design of Snapdragon for desktop, I guess, mobile and server, whatever it might be. But at least on the laptop side of things, on the on the, on the PC side of things, uh, it said previously that their time frame to get these things onto store shelves was late next year, which you know, again, we're into another iteration of the lake architecture and possibly a next generation Ryzen as well. I mean, that's just a, God, I mean, it just seemed like, you know, the odds were against them to, to begin with. It just seemed like, okay, the development timeline certainly made it harder for them. And then this additional lawsuit potentially would make it even harder. And, um, I think what, what has happened is that the people that I've spoken to, don't necessarily believe that um, it's anything but sort of a way to, I hate to say it, but just sort of extract more money from Qualcomm uh, that, that essentially um, arm wants to preserve its revenue stream from, uh, from both companies and is trying to essentially force a payment in that regard. But in the meantime, what seems to be the case, and it's not clear at all, but what, what people are guessing is that, Qualcomm and Nubia are progressing down their development timeline. Um, but it's God, it, it's still a little muddy because does it mean that, you know, management has been taking, you know, mine time essentially that they would normally be putting towards making sure that Nubia's production or its development was on, was on track and on schedule and put that towards, you know, asking the questions of lawyers, you know, can we in fact, you know, go forward on this? Um, what would it mean if that development, that sort of that shipping date slips out to early 2024? Probably nothing. Uh, it's not like people are going to be buying their kids Snapdragon laptops for Christmas necessarily, but, you know, from a mindshare perspective, you know, then all of a sudden we're talking about, you know, kind of two years down the line before Qualcomm gets back in the game. So there's, there's some, there's some stuff to unpack here and I don't want to just ramble on and take it all up, but I mean, I, that's, that's sort of what's been going on. I, uh, you know, cause I haven't paid too close attention to it. I mean, I, I knew there's a lawsuit, but the one thing I know about Nuvia is 
there was significant hype around what they were building. And a lot of like that's yeah. so a lot of people that are way smarter than me would say like, you know what? Because I I'm always like, you know what? I'll believe ARM on desktop laptop competing with x86 when i see it but i don't i don't see nothing there and everybody would say yeah wait to see what nuvia is working on right a lot of people were like had really really high expectations of what we were going to see out of nuvia and the the lawsuit seems like the fact that there's basically saying blow the whole thing up and start over again (laughs) is like what the hell like that's just like such such a why would i just don't i mean yeah i i guess they want their money from both because they were getting money from both companies, but I don't right. think Nuvia would have been paying as much as Qualcomm because Qual- Qualcomm no, is significantly larger. Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, I think that um, it, it, you know, it, it's it's weird. I mean, it's like you know, Qualcomm's most the vast majority of Qualcomm's business is tied to ARM and its it, and its license. Um, it's kind of like your mom suing you. Uh, you know why? You know you don't Which expect does happen. that. <laughs> it does happen, but you know if it's your star. It's a, yeah, it's kind of a catastrophic thing uh, when and if it does. I mean, you don't expect that kind of thing to happen. And then you don't expect either side really to want to have to go to court and a prolonged court battle going back and forth because it just doesn't, I don't know, it doesn't seem to benefit either side. I mean, it seems like, you know, this is something that people want to resolve as, as, as quickly as possible, especially, um, and this is sort of the, the one of the keys, I think, for, for me is that, I, you know, I've, one of the things that I've, bandied about with people is that okay so what if this thing doesn't get resolved by qualcomm's tech summit which normally takes place in december but it just takes place this year i think it's right before thanksgiving you know if you have to route everything through a lawyer you just don't get that level of openness and communication that you would normally get um you know uh Christian Amon spoke at IFA and, you know, he referred to them as, 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 you know, processors designed by, by Qualcomm, but I just don't, I just can't see the sort of hype and, and windows and arm, I think needs a little bit of hype at this point in time. I just can't see that amount of hype being generated. If you have to, again, go through lawyers, you have to worry, worry about, am I, just am I undermining my legal case by talking about performance or talking about time frames or even showing this thing off uh, when you know my lawyers are in court talking about this? So I think really you have to get this thing resolved to the point where you can start generating that hype, especially you know uh, this 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 fall when we need to start talking about what Nubia could or could not do because. Otherwise, it just seems, man, it seems difficult for, for Qualcomm to to really sort of um, come back into the game. I mean, it's just it's going to be radio silence until 2024 or 2023, I should say, uh, if yeah. and when this thing doesn't get resolved. So. And then by then, you're your bad business. 14th Gen Ryzen 8000. I, I exactly. Don't, well, yeah. that's going to be no fun. No fun. If yeah. Intel gets everything working and then I, it's going to be dead in the water to, to me, like. So yeah, it could so you potentially this could just be yeah, let's just normal normal companies fighting over the bill. Uh, it could resolve itself and not be a big thing, or it really could. I mean, it sounds like it could be disastrous for, frankly, Windows on ARM. Period. Yeah, there's a real downside and, to all this, and I hope it doesn't happen. And SQ yeah. the the Microsoft who 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 did the custom work for the do you know for the, the microsoft did its own custom work oh, okay. on that. well i should so impact they, they, they worked with they were i, I believe there was engineers and both companies working that out and essentially it's uh you know an up collect uh yeah. version. and there's supposedly 
you know, um, you know, there's been reports that we're going to see another sort of Surface Pro X, Surface Pro 9 type thing uh, with an ARM processor inside of it coming out this fall, too. And we'll have to see if that happens as well. But again, you know, it's the thing that I have always struggled with is that normally from what I have seen, uh, and I and I'm telling you this just only, you know, just we're just speaking anecdotally here. Yeah. Uh, but everything that that intel talks about in terms of estimated performance and, and amd talks about an estimated performance usually comes down pretty close to where where the final version comes in i mean obviously it varies on apps and there's some games where you know benchmarks are being cherry picked and so forth but generally it seems like everything comes down with qualcomm and snapdragon it, it just i have to say that there's usually uh sam in 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 in, in the past there have been sort of very sort of what I would call ambitious promises in terms of performance that just doesn't seem to have really live up in terms of actual uh, actual you know numbers. Now, I will say that the experience of using a Snapdragon PC has usually, like I said, certain applications, the core office browsing and so forth has been you know experientially fine. But as far as the numbers are concerned, and you know numbers are what a certain segment of you know the audience cares about. They just haven't lived up, and I'm not sure. And and Qualcomm really, I think, has to really nail uh, whatever Nubia comes out with uh, to establish that, uh, establish a, a, a you know, establish that reputation. I I just don't see it. I mean, that's why I've been so very skeptical. Yeah. I know people say great things about Nubia. You know, basically, I mean, you know, you got to use language that's like it's going to be Apple M1 for PCs kind of stuff. It's like I'll believe it when I see it. But yeah, I know. And and I I will say that. A lot of it has colored my a lot of arm. My experience with arm with Windows is the reason why I was extremely skeptical of what Apple would do, right? Because like I've seen Windows on arm before on the original Surface, and it was like, I mean, yeah, core stuff was fine, but it was just like it was just not all there. Mm-hmm. And I I'm extremely skeptical. I just don't think it's going to happen. When we, I mean. We'll see. I, I I don't see it. I just don't see it because. Yeah. I mean, I, I obviously I and enter this with an open mind. I mean, I don't want to, um, you know, I, I never try to, you know, make sure I prejudice myself or anything of that sort against either architecture or particular device. It's just that, um, you know, I I do have to say that I think that uh, Qualcomm's in a state where they, it's you, you have to, you know, you have to show me, you know, you have to, not, they've got something to prove. Um Yeah. And I think that's that's fair to say. Again, I, I, I mean, you know, again, I don't, you know, it's there are the advantages they have with, um, you know, getting the basic experience right. I mean, for a lot of people, that's what they're using it for, and if they position it accordingly, that certainly makes sense too. But you know, getting it out of the comfort area, though, that's what that's where it's it gets tricky. Yeah, I'm. I mean, I think, and I agree with you because core experience with ARM versus very very low end performance core mm-hmm. honestly wasn't that bad i mean yeah. it was it was it was actually acceptable but it was all the other stuff that would get a little weird and then is it really worth is it it wasn't really worth it because then i lose access to all these other legacy you know applications and that's they could own the chromebook market i mean i don't know why they really haven't yeah yeah there are a lot you know there are more arm-based chromebooks coming out these days there are so yeah. I, but they're all, and all these kind of semi-crappy sellerons. I mean, I would just love to see a generic. I mean, just they could they could go out and win that market, and it's a good market to, to win. I don't know why they haven't really been able to establish that yet. 
I mean, there's MediaTek, there's Snapdragon, but a lot of it's just, God, Celeron N3000 and 4000. Yeah. I mean, Intel does dominate Chromebooks. So, yeah. and I've never quite figured out why that is too. Yeah, me neither. It, it, always, it, always, it always has felt like it's just Google's just too lazy to support any other processors, which is weird. Like it was sort of big news. Then you got, uh, you know, Ryzen based Chromebooks because mm-hmm. they, they never supported like they could have, again, this, they could have done that like four years ago, five years ago, but they just, they just never did it. And yeah. it always felt like this kind of like, we're only going to do Intel for some reason. And I, I don't know, maybe that's OEMs at play there because the OEMs, they've got these parts, they've got the prices down. Mm-hmm. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. I mean, I've always looked at the, you know, we would look at the deals, you know, the, the stuff that's, that's, that's selling and so forth. And it's just, God, it just, it just needs to be bumped up a notch. I mean, you know, you can't have like a, an N3000 with four gigs of RAM and, you know, uh, you know, that small amount of storage. I mean, you know, just give me a decent, uh, you know, decent arm or a decent, uh, I mean, I hate to even want to put in a Corth i3 there just because it seems a little bit more like overkill, but God, ARM could own that Chromebook space if it really yeah. wanted to just understand what can. Maybe, yeah. you know, but the thing is, I know everybody will say, oh, you know, Chromebooks with, you know, N Celerons, which are basically atoms, are, right. are, are fine. And I will say, yes, mm-hmm. they are acceptable. They are acceptable machines. They're all right. But if yeah. you actually use a real Chromebook, with a higher end Intel processor, like a core i5, you're like, yep. holy smokes. It's just like, yeah. it does it. Yeah, it's great. Zooms all around so much. And you just kind of, Chrome will do it because it's such a limited OS. It's okay. But I will always take an i, a core i7 or, you know, higher end Ryzen because it's just right. like the experience is far better. Also, I'm also not going to pay $700 for Chromebook. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's a, and, then that's, and then that's the thing. I mean, why, you know, you, God, these premium Chromebooks come out with Core i5s and Core i7s, and I'm not going to pay for that. But again, something that's a little bit more moderately priced with a good performance uh, ARM processor, I mean, that seems Maybe. to be the sweet spot. I don't know. Yeah. No, who knows? The vagaries of it all. Yeah. So weird. Yep. All right. Oh. Well, <sighs> you know I, so I think the end is, eh, ain't going to happen. I don't see anything gonna happen. <laughs> Desktop, yeah. no way. Maybe mobile, and I, I can already, I can, yeah, I don't have to worry about this because there's, I'm not going to review the Surface Pro X or whatever the heck it is. Yeah, I'm gonna say too slow. Legacy applications suck. Like that's it. <laughs> like just like copy paste done. That's like same thing. That's what's gonna happen if they do it. Yeah, I mean. I, I- I have always been in favor of a good enough PC, and I think that an ARM-based processor is going to deliver it. It's just been the compatibility on top of the performance, and if they can, you know, if they can get maybe one of those things, I don't know. I, God, it's just it's it's almost there. It really is, and I just hope at some point they get over the hump because we can competition benefits everybody. It does. It does benefit everybody, and and hopefully it sort of. I, but I don't. I don't see thing. I don't see the competition coming from Windows on ARM. The competition will come from MacBook with M2, yeah, M3 yeah. because that that's really you know those are formidable parts. They are there. They are somewhat of a threat, more existential because you know you're basically in again in your your walled prison with the with the with the you know <laughs> guillotines so right. i thought it was yeah. a garden it's a walled yeah. garden yeah now it's a prison uh we're, we're going to end this segment on a five dollar super chat from v- sure. friend to show vc jester um 
comment, not a question, said x86 is getting so hot that people are being forced to build more efficient computers like small form factor machines. Oh, God, here we go. Yeah, no. Anyway, <laughs> we are. So that, that is a that is a sore topic here. <laughs> a very sore topic. Well, let, let's uh, let's move over to Q&A because we, we have uh, we have a question around that. Uh, I, th- I think we should start with it. Uh, just get it out of the way. Um, da, 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 da. Uh, it's from uh, over on Discord from friend of the show, Vegetable Stew, said, Mr. Ong, Mr. Ong, your opinions on small, for- on small form factor have not been well received in the small form factor circles, to put it lightly. Tiny and crammy enthusiasts do not agree with your reasoning, and a few and few believe you're being out of touch and misinformed. How do you respond? Shoves mics in face. I would uh, respond that it's just simple physics. I, one... I'm, I'm going to say this because all computers are fine if it's what you want. There's nothing wrong with anything. Including ARM. And I will say, yeah, sure. No, really, if you <laughs> want to use a Surface Pro X, fine. I'm more power to you. <laughs> sure as hell, I'm not going to use one on the road. Um, not for me. And I would just think, look, small fun factors, they are cool. They're a they're a pain in the butt to build. They are a pain in the butt to service. You just it's just not as easy for me. I just like I just like a big box and I, I like the service. I like the ease of service. I like the flexibility. The performance ceiling of a desktop gets you way more. You could put bigger coolers, you could put more coolers, you can put more hard drives in them. It's just simply more capability in there, easier to service. That's why for me, to me, small four factor is not worth the squeeze it's a pain in the butt it ain't worth it for me i'm never going to want to build that over a desktop if but i don't have a space constraint if i had a space constraint or i just simply like small boxes great for you but also don't get into my grill and say that your small form factor box is going to run a thread ripper with 23090 ti's <laughs> and 128 gigs and four hard drives in it it's just not going to happen that's just not going to happen basically there we go right Adam Adam has a counter opinion. Uh, no, I'll, I, I I will start off by saying Gordon and I had a, a nice discussion yesterday uh, t- talking about this because I I do think that some of this stuff uh, you know we should explore we should try we, we have people in the chat saying uh, when was the last time you built in a small form vector box we should do a live stream where where you take one of the I did that pink box remember. Yeah, well, well, but that that was that was years ago, and that that is not necessarily indicative of of what a really good small form factor box. Is. Sorry, Silverstone, but isn't, uh, isn't, no, go for it. Say, is, it is an eGPU a small form factor PC? I mean, not technically, but it's a sort of the same. Well, thing. a Nook is a small form factor. Those are yeah, awesome. Yeah. I love Could Nooks. Be. They're really neat right. for Could me. Be. Whatever, like no, uh, uh, sorry, it's not my cup of tea. So we should try that. But we also talked about uh, doing some some testing as well. Uh, I I, I want to put this out there. Uh, because uh, you know, I I think I'm I'm coming at it from a a question of the performance. You know, yes, uh, Gordon, I said this yesterday. I will say this live on air, and I've never I've never debated this. You can put more in a bigger box. You can put twelve sure. twenty fans if you want. You can put a three hundred sixty millimeter rad. You can put a thread ripper with two thirty ninety Ti's. Yes, of course, but that doesn't negate the fact that you can actually still put some pretty powerful hardware in a small form factor box. My ten liter, um, uh, I, I have a, uh, a a Dan Case Lian Lee Dan Case A four H two O. It's like ten point five liters. Uh, what I want to do, and what I think might be an interesting uh, thing to try out, and and I want to see if people in the chat think it's interesting as well, is to take uh, the exact same parts, so a twelve nine hundred K and a thirty eighty Ti. Uh, same mini ITX, a high-end mini ITX motherboard, 
same high-end power supply, you know, whatever, the exact same parts, uh, test it. Uh, in that small form factor box uh, at stock thermals, which I think are going to be horrendous, uh, and then test it with undervolted uh, as well, which I think is is probably going to be just fine and not uh, throttle performance at all. Uh, but in the uh, <clears throat> but then take that that exact exact same hardware and put it into a bigger case. The, the the one that we have on hand that comes to mind that's a really good airflow is the Be Quiet Pure Base 500 DX. Uh, really nice case so yes you would never actually put small form factor pieces inside of a bigger case like that uh, i mean i mean i guess you could but i don't know why you would this is more just to say hey what if you took the same components put it in a bigger case uh what what would you get what what would it look like you know so it, it not like a not like a build guide just a, a one-to-one comparison hey you know what's the thermals in here what's the thermals in here uh and especially i think undervolting makes a huge difference obviously uh in those basic constraints so well let me know what you think uh i think that might be interesting uh also gordon and i have been talking uh today about uh doing some undervolting on some laptops seeing seeing what we think about that uh because you know i i think uh, any any chance that you can get to take hot air out of a, a space yeah. constrained system is going to let it run uh better so you know i, I we've the, if anything this has sparked some good discussion around uh thermals and power limits efficiency i mean we keep talking about that i mean there are some people who are like man that sucks that the the 5600x was a what 75 watt part i 65. think 65 uh and then the 7600x is now up over 100 uh, watt part so you know like the by all indications you know all these these new high performance pieces of, uh of hardware we're putting in here are gonna eat up more power generate more heat uh and that you know we 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 do have tools that are disposable like undervolting to be able to uh mitigate some of that so i think it's a fun thing to explore when you yeah and it is actually actually as an experiment worthy because you know like i and you know this is the we actually have a a misunderstanding is the whole thing because the normal thing is and, and you will see this on the internet and uh frankly in the public discourse you have two people talking past each other adam and elena's point of view is like small form factor with will give you basically everything you want in less space and the advantage benefit for a larger box is is not worth the squeeze right you're not going to fill that box with all that other crap generally so you you can basically get everything you want in a small form factor box for me my argument is just simply you can jam more crap into a bigger box so that's their argument which actually i don't necessarily disagree with because Small form factor box with a 12900K 3080 Ti. I mean, really, does anybody need anything more than that? No. I mean, you don't really need anything more than like a, a 3070. Well, you might, you but you might I be mean, running a 4K <laughs> high refresh. Well, panel 3070 or actually, a you know, 4K, 4K is. There's always more. There's always more. Well, Certain I mean, games. Th- of course, there's always more, but I mean, there's that bell curve, right? You but know, like, but I think anyway. it's like you could argue like most people that's going to service that's going to service 90 percent of of what people do. Okay, I I don't argue with that. I don't argue with that. But what I would say like is you can just do way more. It's way easier to service. The ceiling is just so much higher in a big box. I prefer that. And frankly, it's a pain in the butt to work on small boxes. I hate it. It's just a pain. And I don't, well, I, I don't need to... But I'm saying you haven't tried the newest small boxes, though. You can't say that until you try them, right? You can't just say, oh, hey, it sucks to drive this car, even though you haven't driven that car. It sucks to say, hey, the, the Surface Pro X, you shouldn't buy it, even though you haven't actually put your hands I, on I, it. I can say that, yes, wow, you know, some of these cars, they... 
they've really they the 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 economy they've really feel felt figured out how to really maximize the space in this car. It really feels big. But if I get into a suburban, I can tell you, damn, there's a lot of space in suburban. I, I you know, it's just simply. There's like, wow, you can really make it feel like it's more, it's way more space efficient, but a suburban is, is gigantic. It's like, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a limo on, on, you know, up in the sky. I know, that's you know not, the, I mean? that's not the question though. The, you were just saying it, it's a pain to build in, yes, but you a, haven't actually built in some of these. In a big, like the, the NR200 is actually pretty damn easy to build in. It is pretty easy to build yeah. in, but I'm saying They've it's, gotten a lot better. it's not going to be as easy to build in as a big gas. Box. I mean, or right. open air that's box, just, of course. Yeah, because yeah. that's, I mean, that's that's all it is. It's an open air box, yeah. the more space. And that's just simply true. And again, this is the problem with us is Elena and Adam are talking down this lane. I'm talking down this lane. So we just simply, we're never going to agree because we're not even talking about the same damn thing. <laughs> but the thing we want to do is build a small four-factor box, the same thing. And I actually think... It'll be interesting because uh, I think a 12900K and 3080 in a full-size high airflow 3080 case. 3080 Ti. You know what? It may actually give some small form-factor builders like, okay, I, I'm taking a hit for this. Is it enough to make a difference? I don't know. But I'm going to guess stock clock, you're going to get better performance out of the bigger box. Even oh, though, yeah. Oh, yeah. 100%. Well, even but so I mean that twelve nine hundred K my because I, I use a twelve nine hundred K in my editing system. I have that undervolted even just just doing you know basic video editing. <laughs> no, oh, I'm just boy. saying somebody <laughs> had to throw a micro ATX in here, like like oh, ATX versus ITX, and like whoa, wait a minute, what about micro ATX? Like oh whoa, you had to jam yourself in this conversation. <laughs> uh, but yes, no, I I, I and. And I'll say for the small four, I'm not, I haven't built a ton of small four factor. It just is something that's very exciting to me. Uh, and <clears throat> I have never, the, all the, all the small factor uh, machines that I've built have always been lower wattage CPUs. So I have actually never seen a, a 12900K in a small four factor box, especially with the 3080 Ti. So I, I can imagine at stock clocks, oh boy, that thing's going to get toasty. You're going to thermal throttle all over the place. But I do expect that with an undervolt, it's actually going to be completely fine. Uh, so, well, but and of course, same or fine. Same as what? The same Do you as mean stock loss? Same or fine? Like you know what? This is acceptable performance loss. I'm I'm fine you're, with it. You're not going to hit thermal or throttling. There will not be. Will there's not going to be any thermal throttling. There will be zero performance difference. I mean, it depends on what you call performance. Like, like, are we doing a Cinebench run? Or are we doing gameplay? Like on gaming? No. I mean, gaming doesn't stress it enough to really do anything anyway. So I bet at stocks, games would games would actually be just fine. But and especially with an undervolt, it's even better. But yeah. So I. So you th- mean that's we'll be the same? So there will be no difference in performance between them. Is what you're saying? I mean, depends on what you measure. It uh, depends on what. <laughs> you know, See, yeah, that's, yeah. it works everywhere. The answer works everywhere. <laughs> it does. Anyway, we we have some fun stuff. I th- I think it's going to be fun or going to be fun to explore, uh, especially the laptop stuff too. Uh, so anyway, uh, thank you for for your, your super chat. Uh, well, v- VC Jester gave us another five dollars super chat. Thank you so much. Said uh, Gordon started this whole argument to avoid the controller versus mouse and keyboard challenge. Quit your dilly dallying on that one. Yeah, we're gonna do that. Are you a controller player when you play shooters, Mark? Or are you a mouse keyboard? Um, see, the thing is, I typically play on the Xbox, so yes, controller. Oh, oh. we could be on that, Mark. You can join too. So it'd be uh, Willis, Luis, Adam, and Mark can be on. We're we. I feel mouse and keyboard. 
is so superior to controllers for shooters. In Counter-Strike, in a game not built with cheater mode into it, I think, actually, I could, I can take on four people. I'll add you to the list. Maybe we have Elena in there, too. It'd be five on one. Yeah, don't take Elena out of there. She was already in there. Was she in there, too? Yeah, she so was So five there. versus one, Counter-Strike, mouse versus controller. Mouse keyboard versus controller. Yeah, let's do yeah. it. It'd be okay. fun. Um, we got a... Uh, a uh, $20 super chat from Mike Quinton. Thank you so much. Said, uh, I use my forklift to lift my full height fractal case and pop it open rarely, but I'd like to see the performance versus heat test. In my case, my family wants something different. I I think he's making a joke about the forklift, but... Uh, <laughs> Which fractal case? I don't. I, I, I don't know what fractal case, but yeah. Uh, I, I I love these fractal, these uh, like the, the, the one I built in for the, the streaming box. God, what was this oh, one? Yeah. I can't remember. Uh, I yeah, you know I like fractal cases. It's They're interesting good. because it, during the heat wave, both my kids have the uh, much hated uh, NZXT case, the uh, five ten. They even have the one without the glass, so it's just the steel front. And they didn't experience any issues. They're, I mean, not they know they didn't go like, "Hey, my computer stopped working," and they didn't complain about frame rate loss or anything. So I, it's it's interesting that even during playing in in a room that was like it was literally 90 degrees in our house at certain points they they were still able, but those fans were just howling the whole time so <laughs> uh and then oh here, here's a good question uh, to circle back to windows stuff a uh, friend of the show magnum sky wolf gave us a two euros thank you so much okay. said uh which features does microsoft need that linux or apple uh has what do you think oh yeah uh I don't know if I can answer that question actually, because my knowledge of, I mean, um, I mean, Linux is so basically user driven that you can kind of add to Linux what you want uh, as far as, you know, just the basics are concerned. I mean, besides the, obviously the, <clears throat> the update feature and with Macs, um, well, I mean, I'll be honest, I don't use Macs that much. Uh, so I'm not, I'm, I, I apologize. I'm not sure I can necessarily answer that question. Uh, it, I, I have one. I, uh, I have a couple too. Yeah, uh, on on Mac OS, and sometimes I accidentally do this on my Windows, uh, where I'll I'll click on a, an image or a video and hit the space bar. What, whatever that feature was that they they call it on the Mac, you, you just hit the space bar and it like shows it. It like pops it open. It doesn't oh, open dude. it in an application. It's just like a expanded preview kind of thing. Uh, that's the one thing I miss. <laughs> well, you can kind of do that in File Explorer, where it has a preview pane, but there's not actually a pop up necessarily. Yeah, yeah. This like pops up yeah. the almost full screen. Right. Uh, you know. Yeah. Oh, uh, you know, I have zero. Hmm. Some of the system insight tools in on Mac, I think, are pretty nice. That they're mm-hmm. sort of built into the OS. That's kind of nice. Uh, it's it a little like harder. The, like like the, the the task manager ish type thing looks like it's. I've seen that before. It looks pretty nice. I mean, if I'm remembering it, it looks pretty nice. There are some really dumbass things to the Mac UI that I just don't like. Has never worked to me. Like that whole like like like. Am I using an iPod? Like you click on. You're always like in that stupid you know like view where you have to dig down, drill down, and then it's just like. It's such a pain. Like, I think I honestly, you know, this is always going to irk Mac people, but I think Windows is a far superior uh, interface because you can just like click on a folder, it opens up, you see what's in the folder. Whereas on the Mac, sometimes it's like you got to click on the Explorer thing and then dive, dig down in the Explorer. It's just wacky. You just, I just want to see the stupid photos listed in a, in a folder, and you can't do that sometimes. Yeah. But yeah, I, 
I honestly try to avoid using the Mac as much as possible. I just understand the Windows interface much much better. Yeah, so. yeah, because I that's mean, that's what we prefer, and it's also it's part of our jobs, right? I mean, everything yeah. that's what that's what drives the world. So that's what you're we are we we do for a living, right? I'm not going to go like, oh, I'm going to do performance testing under Linux. That's somebody else's thing. Veronix, thank God you're here. Um, but you know, the world is mostly driven, and laptops are are Windows, so it's not. But I I like for you know what I actually kind of dig about the Mac is to be able to. Um, you know, they have it built into their EFI where you can just install the OS directly mm. from the internet. Whereas on, you can do that now with windows 10 and up where you can, you can download a, a clean install, yeah, so. but mm-hmm. you at least have to, you still have to start with that ISO. I kind of like just be able you know, the fact that they have built it into the EFI is pretty cool. I think that's yeah. a nice feature. And then I think, I mean, this is the problem is you, you, Windows is an open system. We let people do what we we let people mess it up as much as they want. But I still think one of the magic things Apple has done is you know they have their store. Everything's in the store. I don't even know if you can really do much outside of the store. But like they've moved everything into the store that that basically lets them curate everything for one right. security. To mm. by the way, you need to compile this for ARM. What do we need to compile this for ARM for? You're only X eighty six. I don't know. Maybe something might change in a couple of years, and then they get here, and basically everything's ready for ARM, right? So Microsoft is kind of doing that with the store, but people hate the Microsoft store, right? So yeah, the, the store interface is just a different. It's just an interface upgrade. They're, the fundamental nature of the store really hasn't changed that much. So yeah. maybe Microsoft should also. I mean, but these are terrible things because. Apple has no problems if a partner makes in their entire business built on one feature. Apple has no problems walking over there and sawing that partner off and dumping them over the ledge, right? Because like, bye, because we want your money now. This feature would be cool in the operating system. Maybe Microsoft should be more heartless to some of the the uh, the partners that make a living. I mean, well, I don't know if it's been heartless, but Power Toys is basically that. I mean, they take simply take utilities and simply just, I think, you know, license them, give full, you know, I, I'm assuming they give full compensation to the, the the creators and then put them inside of Power Toys, and that's, you know, that, that works. That's that's their answer to that, and I think it works pretty well. But I mean, like maybe like full on, like it's a bummer that this clip champ isn't more full featured, but maybe if they gave you a full full featured video editor. I mean, the things they don't care about, because you're never going to do that in Office because they want money for Office. But like, you know what? We're going to give you 80% of Photoshop for free in the operating system, right? Of course, that's going to piss Adobe off. But for Microsoft... Yeah, it's a little bit. It's a it's a double edged sword, though. I mean, once you bring something within the Microsoft ecosystem or within the Microsoft operating system, sometimes there's constraints that go along with that. I mean, right now, Clipchamp feels like a very separate, distinct. Uh, entity in itself i mean it's you know there's clipchamp the app and then some references to it i think in photos as well now but you know it's essentially it's standalone business but you start bringing it in within the you know you just make it a microsoft product um you know i think there's some trade-offs to go along with that yeah and then you know the partners get angry and you know if you if you piss off Adobe at this point and Adobe says, you know, we're going to leave you behind, you're done. You're, there's no right. Adobe in your product. You don't have a product at this point, mm-hmm. it feels like. Uh, we have uh, uh, Gamers Nexus, friend of the show, Gamers Steve over at Gamers Nexus, uh, uploaded a video today that uh, that you did with him. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, talking about the the naming scheme of uh oh do we have it somewhere? i'm gonna go grab it you, yeah you, you keep talking uh, the screen. they they briefed us about uh, the new naming scheme for the 
the Ryzen mobile parts uh, that, that oh, are right. upcoming. And so they, they provided uh, everyone with a decoder ring. Uh, Gordon and, and Steve uh, did a video uh, trying to decode the decoder ring. And honestly, I think it just made things uh, even worse. But we got a, a question, for, a funny question to kick this off from front of the show. Ziv, so glad you're back, Ziv, uh, said, if you spin the AMD mobile CPU decoder ring six times each, Clockwise and counterclockwise on the sixth day of the sixth month, facing the star Vega in the night sky, will a bulldozer appear in your summoning circle? Yeah, pretty much. So, like this is this is actually one of the wheels that AMD gave away to try to introduce the press to their new naming scheme. I don't you can see this mark because you're on a you're on a different camera than us, but yeah, basically, right. Right. it lets you spin around. You have an inner wheel with the the year the processor was made. The next wheel out is basically Ryzen 5, 7, etc. And then it's the architecture, so Zen 3 Plus. And the next one is which segment? Uh, lower segment, higher segment. Uh, and then the and then the last one is basically whether it's a Chromebook, you know, an H part, HX part, or I think, a, a yeah, U I think part. it's power profiles, right? Is kind of what well, the last one is. sort of, but they're really, but they really would speak to like we all know what U class is, we know what H as, uh, we know HX is seems like it's formalizing between AMD and Intel as fifty five watts and up. I, I wouldn't HS say I wouldn't say everyone watts. knows that. I, it's, oh yeah, I mean kind, yeah, kind of, kind of for confusing. mobile people, and you know, I think the problem is. I like the concept of the wheel, but it actually kind of confused us more because you could construct processors that are likely never to happen, which is a high-end Zen 1-based CPU in a laptop made in 2024. That's just not going to happen. So it actually got it gave us a little too much power, and we immediately confused ourselves. <laughs> yeah, you, you should go watch Steve's video. It was funny. It was mostly just <laughs> trying to make up, uh, you know, dumb little codes. Uh, yeah, things that, would, that they would never <laughs> make. That would never make sense. But I, you know, I I think the thing that it really kind of speaks to for, and I mentioned it in Steve's video, is that um, in, in as an investor in in AMD, I'm not an investor. I'm not. But if I were, I'd be like, oh, this is great. This means you're selling way more CPUs into mobile, and the world is mobile. Um, as much as the desktop world doesn't believe that. Mobile is where all the action is. Well, and, and we want AMD to thrive in mobile because it's, it's good if, competition. If you do, yeah. if you do. And, and, you know, um, and so that means they have a lot of parts to sell into mobile. Uh, the other thing that might be kind of bad news is the fact that they're sort of like talking about selling parts made in 2023 and possibly 2025. And they're just, it sounds like they just are going to have this huge menu of old parts you know, medium old parts, new parts that they just need to sell out, you know, so you basically have all these parts that you just need to, to sell. So instead of simply having a clean product stack and everything brand new being sold does now, they're just going to have way more older things, which kind of maybe indicates people didn't buy enough of these and they just got a ton of these old rising. Yeah. I mean, I'm not in parts. favor of that because you're going to get the holiday sales. It has old crap. Well, I want to say old crap or, but old stuff there. And just, it's going to be like, okay, this is why you shouldn't buy, you know, the five-year-old. But also we will reiterate again, just because you can make it on the wheel doesn't mean doesn't you're mean actually going to make it, All right, but still. But so, I mean, but that's why they're, they want to go to this new name that hopefully like I just built myself a Ryzen 8 seven four three five hs oh, geez. so that would be uh basically a 2024 ryzen the seven means it's a ryzen seven three means it's built on zen three and higher segment hs part is that possible you know i guess maybe so 
I I, th- I think the thing is, until we actually see the lineup for the next couple years, then we'll then we'll get it. But right now, a lot of people are really like, "What? They're really? I mean, it's I'm, really I'm, easy to confuse." Well, and, and the, seeing all I the mean, parts. and the, the the takeaway really is that they're going to have a new naming scheme. So yeah. hey, there's going to be a new naming scheme going forward. So just you'll have to when you see the number, the numbers are going to mean something different. Uh, they're trying to get that out there. So. Uh, they said the, that hopefully they'll have a website, you know, something for common people to uh, to be able to look up and kind of understand yeah. this as well. Uh, it doesn't sound like they're going to sell those those decoder rings. So no, so, they some won't people sell are, them. Are joking about it, <laughs> no, but I I think the concept was was good. The problem was without seeing an entire lineup, then you don't really understand it because there's no way they're building a you know in 2025 a Zen one based high end CPU. It's just not going to happen. But it did. It did actually. You 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 easily turned yourself around on it. So yeah, I, you know, yeah. <laughs> but you're right though, Mark, because you go out there and you got like, like the Celeron ends that are like still ancient cores. You, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of sort of lower end parts that are just older things that are being sold out there. But I I do wonder if that's what I kind of wondered if AMD is getting ready because like you know every, laptop sales have just kind of like fell, fallen off the cliff, right? So you're going to see a backup of just parts for probably the next 24 months that they have to deal with. You still got to sell the things. You're not going to just throw them away. So you still got to sell these things should in lower cost laptops. And that's probably what this kind of addresses, I think. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, I just remember looking at like <clears throat> we had to do uh, back to school deals and there's this one laptop on Amazon, which looks great. I mean, it's uh God, I can't remember what it's, what's in it necessarily, but it's like a 10th uh, gen core and blah 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 and it looks great in the description it's like oh my god it's like two it's like a three hundred dollars it's normally nine hundred or you know some huge number of dollars off but it has a 768p display i mean it's just like you know that's the kind of thing you have to wade through the description of find out oh, okay it's yeah. not as good as it seems crap i've wasted my time and so forth and i hate i hate it i hate doing it myself and i hate having having other people do it too because they're just going to get you know, end up with something that's going to disappoint them. So I just hope that, you know, there's some method of the madness. Now, I'm not sure if that's the word I'm looking for. Some, some, some reason to it all. So it's, we're not actually seeing like, you know, true crap being sold in the market. So, yeah. And there are sometimes like you get, like I always recommend, like, cause relatives, they don't know. They're not going to like decode. Right. This exactly. Thing. So yeah. they, they end up buying it and they usually will go like, what do you think of this part? It's like, well, the CPU is fine. Cause you don't do anything. Right. But like <laughs> this, like two gigs of RAM and a hard drive, no, you know, yeah. like actually, frankly, hard drive is always the no, no hard yeah. drive, never hard That's drive. Right. Oh. Yeah. And you still, there well, are the, still the 13 inch. Yeah, we're still them out there. They're still, they're still out there. Yeah. Yeah. The lower cost market. They can't, you yeah. know, they just can't, although I, they can't afford it. That's what I don't get is because the cost of NAND is so cheap now. They could do a small NAND, but I wonder if the, the, the math they've used is like, they're going to look at my laptop versus my competitor's laptop. I have one terabyte. They only have a you know a 256 gig SSD. I've give, given you a one terabyte hard I mean, that drive. does work. It's a bigger number better. And a normal person is going to yeah. go, I want more storage. And they have no idea the yeah. performance hit they take for taking that hard drive over an SSD, yep. right? right. So yep. there's, a lot of, there's a lot of, they really sort of balance things. And, you know, the companies sort of figure out what they think will make them compare against their competitors better. And then they go to all the stores, Costco, Best Buy, and then the 
those stores will say, no, we want this. And the, the vendors will be like, no, this is a horrible experience. You do not want to sell this. And the vendors will be like, look, you want to sell this stupid thing in my store? You're going to build this. And then you, what do you think that vendor's going to do? They're going to yeah. build it. Consumers going to get a lot of experience. Generally, because for some reason, the buyers at the store will will want to hook onto a particular build. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, cold runner in the chat uh, has a funny uh, thing he's mentioned. One terabyte of garbage is still garbage. Yeah, yeah, no hard drives yeah. should just be like they should almost be like a no hard drives. I mean, I hard drive yeah. secondary device, not as boot device. That's yeah. just uh, okay. A couple more questions. We get out of here. Uh, Tech Kev, a friend of the show, Tech Kev gave us uh, two pounds. Thank you so much. Uh, said, uh, does Gordon prefer sand stars or crumbs? Um. Is that from Steve's shirt thing? Yes. <laughs> I did. I, I had to ask about that, too, because I was like, wait, what is this in reference to? Yeah, so yeah. The, this, <laughs> the shirt that Steve wore in a lot of videos was like a, an hourglass, which is traditionally filled with sand. And then in the background, it had these like dots. And I, I sort of assumed it was sand because sand in the hourglass, but they also could have been stars. But in yeah. all the videos, it looked like dandruff. You know, so everybody's and, like, and was crumb, that dandruff or crumbs? crumbs yeah. <laughs> it's just simply the dots on there. And I think they were... You know, I think it was a design thing. It probably was stars for the design. I think. I mean, yeah, yeah. So it makes sense. (laughs) Was it some sort of Sandman reference? Sandman reference? Uh, No, I think it was like a a time thing. Like it was a GPU, Uh, like a a 30 series GPU founder's design, you know, that has kind of the two sections and then sand was coming through. Was it like it's because Uh, it's not worth the sand it's built on? Something like that. Yeah. Waste of sand. Probably. I don't don't know. So maybe sand. Yeah. Could be sand. Uh, Anyway, a couple more here. Uh, Starscream, friend of the show, Starscream, uh, asks when it comes to AMD 7000 series CPUs, how many people do you think will wait for the 3D vCache models that are rumored to come out early next year? What do you think? You think there are people out there like, ah, you know what? I'll wait on Ryzen 7000 as it launch, launches because we know a V-cache part's coming. There's always somebody who's going to wait. Yeah. And honestly, I would wait even after 7000 reveal because I want to see what Intel's got too, right? I mean, if you're really that person who wants to have the, you know, the, the most prudent buy and you have time, you wait till 13th comes out. And then maybe even then you decide, well, I want to see V-cache now. But then you There's know you, might reasons well write, to wait. you should wait for <laughs> Ryzen. You should wait for Ryzen eight thousand and Meteor Lake. Then at that point, so like well, another question to ask: Would you would you expect a price cut on the sort of the generic seven thousands once the Vcash stuff comes out? I don't think so. I think they've priced it to count for the Vcash versions. Well, also, and we kind of saw this with the fifty eight. I'm sorry, the 5700X slotting into where the 5800X was. I think maybe there was confusion in the market between having Mm -hmm. a box that said 5800X and 5800X 3D and not necessarily understanding. And so they're like, I I can imagine the V-Cache versions will only have, they'll never share a same number with a non-V-Cache version. Personally, I I could see that. Yeah, Yeah, that makes sense. I think I actually kind of want, you know, there have been rumors of, you know, heavy, heavy rumors. Who knows if they're true or not of three V-Cache parts on the high end. So like a 7950X with V-Cache, the 7900X, and the probably 7800X. And I guess it kind of makes sense because their prices basically were pretty reasonable, $700. And you kind of imagine if, end. so if you, if, if Raptor Lake comes in, sort of like similar pricing, because Raptor, you know, 12 gen, 12900K is lower cost right 550 ish 
Is it? I'm like, sorry. Like say, say it again. I was twelve nine hundreds are oh yeah, a little cheaper. They're a little cheaper than AMD. Twelve hundred K. Oh oh versus AMD. Sorry versus AMD versus like a fifty nine yeah. fifty. They're about. I'm seeing like uh, just just under six hundred. I was under so yeah so under six hundred. So I can sort of see like you know Raptor Lake will come in. Intel will be a little bit ex- more expensive, and then you're going to see these three V cash parts sort of like probably yeah. going to cost more. So then they they will come in a little bit more than whatever thirteen gen comes in at. Yeah. I would mm-hmm. think. So, but who knows? You know, it's always that fun waiting game. But I would definitely wait. I mean, again, I I thought seven thousand was very impressive. I more than what I really expected out of the part. So it looks really good, looks very competitive. But yeah, I would wait. Why wouldn't you wait, right? You want to see what... If 13th Gen is coming out, it's it's September and it's going to be coming out this year. You don't have to wait that long for it to see mm-hmm, it. That's so. right. Uh, two more things. Uh, one of them is a question uh, from friend of the show Tat over on Discord. Uh, since Gordon, uh, since small form factor is Gordon's favorite topic right now, uh, GAN is all the rage in shrinking high wattage USB C chargers. What are the chances we'll see this uh, technology come to small form factor power supplies? Huh. You know, that's a very interesting question. Sure is. Yeah. I don't know because I would imagine the cost savings isn't there, and then. You you know you already have small four you have whatever SFF already everybody's kind of crammed into those they're up to thousand eight hundred fifty watts I don't think there is there'd be money in it so uh well I do love the GAN chargers though they're uh, very nice vegetable stew had uh, posted a link to a uh, two hundred fifty watt GAN brick uh yeah I don't know if that's a true two fifty yeah, so I some of them they're they're sort of cheats in a way because they're 250 so the new USB C PD 31 is 240 watts over USB C so like you could charge like a mid mid-range gaming laptop with that and actually yeah mm-hmm. mid-range over just USB C technically um but a lot of those high wattage chargers the first ones that you saw came out they were like oh 240 watts oh i can charge 240 for my gaming laptop that supports it no no you can you can charge two 100 watt laptops and then your phone for 20 watts so they really were not full-on usb uh, c pd 3.1 spec yeah i know Everybody's favorite topic, USB. <laughs> USB, love it. Uh, VC Jester gave us another $5 super chat. Thank you so much. Said, uh, I suspect the reason my Android Auto works fine is because, like all reasonable drivers, I choose my music and my route while stopped and in park. Yeah, I. you would wish that was what's going on, but believe me, it is not. Uh, I know everybody, because <laughs> it's anecdotally, if it works fine for you, it's great, but android auto is basically a dumpster fire with radioactive waste in it right now i think it's probably the best way you could describe it i've seen even people burn it over on you know android centric websites where people are like okay that's it i'm going to ios that's how angry they are over android auto because you have a fifty thousand dollar car and you're running android auto and it's a pos you're you're really gonna like uh i'm 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 gonna toss my phone rather than toss my fifty thousand dollar cars it's funny because we almost we were we were in the market for we uh, a new 4k tv and we were going to buy something and we decided actually to take it back because there's some flickering issues with the one we wanted but we um there was there's google tv and android tv and then there's roku and actually i thought that google tv was quite good my wife liked it as well which is uh kind of an unusual thing because mm-hmm. she's never a fan of the latest technology so uh the fact that uh uh, 
Google TV just kind of puts all your uh, subscription services, kind of melds them together, and then it kind of recommends what you should be watching or what you were watching. Uh, did a nice job. I mean, we were. I mean, I'm normally I'm not a huge fan of Google's interfaces as well, but from that standpoint, I thought uh, I can't speak to Android Auto, but from a from a Google TV standpoint, I think they've definitely improved over what they what they used to have. Yeah, I think it's a very similar model too, because you basically have. Uh, Google, we're going to give you this OS for free because, frankly, Sony, LG, and all you, you suck. Your all right. your software yeah. just sucks. Right. It's a it waste does. of time. Yep. We're just, you know, just do our stuff, and they've all kind of bought onto it. Um, but I, I'm going to bet early on a lot of the early implementations were screwed up because a lot of the, you know, because you now you have the classic. We make the OS, you put it in your device, and you screwed up your own way, and then we get blamed for it because you screwed it up. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure who was screwing it up in Android Auto. But the thing is, it's it's the OS maker that gets the blame. Microsoft gets the blame for an application that that right. has a problem. Yeah. Right? we yep. know only in Apple world you only blame the the app maker. You would you could never blame Apple for having a bad OS experience because it's never the OS. It's always the application in that world. That's just, <laughs> mm-hmm. But I I do think that it's just Android Auto. If you go look, there's definitely the complaints are very 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 heated right now on android it's just not there yet and i don't know whether they need to basically bust heads with car makers or whether they need to bust heads in their team but you have a hot mess and you're controlling the interface and fifty thousand dollar cars hundred thousand dollar cars you got problems yeah uh last question mark uh for you uh we've talked about this before on the show i want to get your take if if you could go out to a restaurant Mm. And and order whatever breakfast food you wanted, your favorite breakfast breakfast meal, but it doesn't matter price or anything. What's what's your go to breakfast? No, sure. Well, you're asking me this right before lunch too. So oh, I know, yeah. Some, some, no, definitely. Uh, I'm all in favor of the. I go with a ham and cheese omelet, or uh, perhaps oh. maybe tossing a, a much little mushrooms or uh, some tomatoes in that. Uh, put a little bit of uh, a little bit of hot sauce on the top of that. Uh, hash browns assess- uh, attached to that, and mm, usually I get some uh, sourdough toast. Uh, alongside of it you know, maybe a cup a little maybe a cup of fruit if they have it there um but uh, that's that's pretty much my go-to i'm a bit i'm an omelet guy yeah so, okay yeah. my I'm guy's that all written out it's like i got this written out of the script like, <laughs> no no, was, no, I, no. Yeah, we didn't even pre-plan this mark you you, no, you no, i know go. he goes yeah. into the restaurant and the waiter's putting the thing down it's like no this 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 <laughs> sourdough toast leave I've now never come back to my food i will tell you that i was raised my my mother was somebody who uh didn't allow us to eat a whole lot of sugar i mean she was a person that gave us like banana chips and dried apricots and carob as oh, opposed no. to chocolate so okay. like i have never eaten nor do i want to eat at this point in time any sort of sugar cereal at all like fruit loops or lucky charms or any of that sort so she would always give us she would always, uh, it would be either heavy protein, which like, you know, a lot of eggs and so forth, or because, I don't know, I, I have a, I'm, I'm on the German side of the family, we would go with like uh, waffles, you know, we'd have waffles. Uh, my father has a specific waffle pancakes that he would make and that would be it. But if I can't get those waffles, I usually shy away from pancakes or waffles and just go protein like, like an one. so. You didn't rebel and just start like chomping down entire boxes of Fruit Loops. You know, uh-uh. I never felt like it. Like it's too much, just too much sugar. Like I've, I don't know. I just can't handle just just too much. Like, um, and my, I don't know. I just never felt the need to go something like that. I mean, I, I 
will have like a, a Coke. Uh, I'll have, I, I do love my sweets are like, are, are honestly like cookies. I mean, I have to like, you know, <laughs> cut myself off of like my mother's chocolate chip cookies. Cause she and my wife bake like crazy and they're like good baking stuff, but I just don't like pure, pure sugar. Like I don't like candy. Uh, I don't even too much like, uh, I'll eat, a, you know, a, a bit of ice cream, but, uh, God, baked goods are my weakness. So I try to shy away from them as much as possible. <laughs> otherwise, that's how I got fat out of the pandemic. So. <laughs> nice. All right, man. We, we continue to get completely different answers, uh, for people's favorite, uh, go-to breakfast. So that's awesome. Yeah. Love it. <laughs> There's so many different variations of breakfast food out there. Uh, yeah. Speaking of which I'm, I'm hungry. Let's get out of here, Gordon. Take it, sure. take us away. Check back next week. Uh, Check back next week for your fix of PC talk on the full learn for audio listeners. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Google play, Spotify, Stitcher, and please leave a review. Every time you do, you will hear what somebody likes to eat for breakfast. Any questions <laughs> and comments at the full nerd at PCworld.com. Thanks for coming. I'm Gordon Ung with Mark Hawkman. Yeah. Thanks guys. Appreciate it. And Adam Patrick Murray's going to hit the L switch. Uh, always, always glad to have you here, Mark. Uh, it was a good time. Uh, and uh, thank you for, for joining us. And thank you, Team Viewer, for sponsoring this episode. Uh, be sure to tune in next Wednesday uh, for that awesome challenge. It's, it's, it's going to be fun. You, you definitely want to definitely watch Gordon struggle on this one. So <laughs> we'll see you, everybody later. Bye.